having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting sheep, but running out. Time ticks by. Let us have a give us a little data Till I try. Give us a little data here. Jobs in my mind. On my own, here we go. Welcome to episode 82. This is Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted Stoven, co-host Wacey Anderson, second co-host, Mr. James Foley, or guest co-host, or I don't even know what we're calling him these days. But I don't even know what's called. It's kind of like it's kind of like when uh, Spittin' Chicklets brought on Biz Nasty full time. He was kind of at first he was kind of a guy just lingering around that we'd bring on sometimes. And uh, now he's just comes. now he's just kind of full on part of the show. Um his I'm Twitter follow isn't quite as big as Bit Nasties. Yeah, you're just the guy that won't leave. You just hang around. Yeah. You're like, hey, you're trying to like, you're like, you're, everything's wrapping up. Everybody else is going home, and then you're just there. Like, hey, one more yeah. beer, let's go. Like, and then you're just like, ah, you know what, man, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> yeah, you asked me to stay over, and I just, I'm on the couch, and I'm still here. You've been you're there just, for two weeks. You're just the yeah. guy on the couch, just <laughs> habitual line stepper. You're really, line, you're really you're milking it. Across it. Oh, yeah. It's okay. like um uh, the movie You, Me, and Dupree. You're Dupree. Yeah, He's kind of overstaying your welcome, but even weird shit on the couch. <laughs> you mean well. You mean well. <laughs> oh dear. Well, uh, yeah. This is episode eighty-two. Cowboy shit. Ted and Wacy and and our friend James. We uh, were this. I guess this is our first show of the new year now, isn't it, guys? Happy New Year. Really, what's going on here? I was I just about to ask that same question. I think I it think, is. Yeah, because today's the well. The our last one have been the thirtieth. Yeah. yeah so here we are. Welcome to fucking 2021. Do you know the funniest thing about 2021 is it, I feel like a lot of people everything started over, but they really did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What it, yeah, exactly. What I was just about to say. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's just like I feel like people thought that the as soon as the calendars flipped that 2020 was just kind of the end of it and end of all the freaking crazy stuff. But within the first week and a half of 2021, there's been some crazy shit happen. Hell like yeah. what actually i don't actually remember this well right. people stormed the capital yeah that was that was a thing that Rainbow was a thing there's a new there's like two new strains of covid allegedly yeah um what else there's that shit going down with kanye and that jeffree star guy i didn't yeah, hear that fake news did fake not hear news. that part fake news i don't know there's a lot yeah. of like stuff supporting the the news <laughs> Yeah, but that guy, Jeffrey Start, didn't he make a video saying like it's all bullshit? I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't got yeah, that I far into it. I haven't got yeah. that far. Anyways, but Kim and Kanye are getting divorced, so that's like huge. Um. So basically, yeah, you've been watching been a, Entertainment been a hell, Tonight. Since, no, no, uh, no. I've I, there's been some validity to the stuff that has been said. There's been some okay. validity. I've checked my sources. I'm not the kind of person to copy and paste the post if I agree. This has been something that's been discussed. I do my I do my research. I'm a responsible media consumer. <laughs> but anyways, it's been it's been hell of a start. But the one thing, the one thing that keeps us going is hockey's Hockey, back. Hockey's almost back. I even met I got a, I've gotten into sports betting. I'm a sports betting guy now. A lot of things have changed in my life. Have you have you actually made a bet though? Because I don't think you can Yeah, I bet. So I bet on the oh. I put 10 bucks on the 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 Lightning to win the cup again and then I put 10 bucks on the Flames to win the cup just cuz I'm a Flames fan. And then I put another ten bucks on them to win the Colorado? division. Oh. No, I put ten bucks on the Flames to win the division. So, 
So that's thirty so you, bucks. You've thirty you've, bucks, and then and then I have another fifteen bucks. Thirty dollars. Well, hey man, I'm not I'm not I don't want to put too much skin in the game because I don't have much skin to put out there. But I just want to play around a bit. Like if I if the Tampa wins the cup, I get like I think it like three hundred four hundred bucks off my bet. So not bad. Not bad. You have to and wait then, six months. That's pretty. That's not bad. It's the shortest. Season well, I don't bet think it's six. Is it six months? That long I have to wait? I guess yeah. Jan- January to July. Yeah, I guess. Eh? But anyways, and then I have like an extra fifteen dollars in my account. So like, someone do some like prop betting or like bet on games and stuff. So you'll use that up by about Thursday morning. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> you say fifteen dollars. Yeah, fit no, one five. I put I put I put caps less I put, than a twenty. I put cap. I put a caps on the amount of money I could put in per week and per month. So, so you're, so you're thinking I'm responsible. I know my limit, so I'm gonna stay within it. Nice, of course. <laughs> of course. I don't know. It's one of those, I don't know. Some, some, something to do, I guess. You know, we don't no, have much. I, we don't have many of those things to do these days. So I like it. Um, what are we I'm episode not, 82 by episode 100 Wacy's living on the street i'm gonna be asking i'm gonna be asking for people to pay him off my gambling debts pay my bookie off <laughs> oh dear i don't know if <laughs> about, hey, i, I wanted something i want to discuss um did you got you guys obviously watched the gold medal game team canada versus us yeah yeah they really bitched out world on juniors one. yeah that was uh not what it's crazy how they can be so dominant in the round robin and throughout the quarters and the semis yeah and then they show up and give that effort out just kind of like yeah. there was just yeah. not a lot of go there. They just, they, it was too easy go. for it was too easy for the US to defend. It was, it was sad to see, but it's true. It sucks. It's not, go it Canada. Doesn't. But go Canada. You can't win them all. You can't time. win them all. Yeah. That's, true. that's fair. What else we got going on? I guess first first show of the new year. We got a big guest going on here uh, on the show today, Mr. John Winwick. Great to see. Great to have. That was a good discussion. That was fun. I'm excited for people yeah. to listen to this one. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I guess I better just set out a d- disclaimer here off the bat that uh, I'm a little bit disappointed at times on the rodeo side of things, like sad of where things are going. Uh, but I still love it. Like I'm not, I'm not that much of a hater, but I uh, get a little, what do you, I get a little frustrated and a little, uh, feel like I'm, uh, what am I trying to say? I get a bit disheartened at some at points where I don't think that. I can change it. I always grew up thinking I could change it and make it something that mm-hmm. it isn't currently. But uh, so I get a little frustrated at that sometimes, but I hope we can within good reason though, I would say keep going the right way. Yeah. It's, it's not like you're getting dis. Like, it's not like when we talk about subjects, we're not, we're, we're not, not bashing bringing, any certain somebody yeah, or certain organization. It's more, it's just, yeah. You're it's, re, it's reality. It's a lot of realities of like what's going on in the sport and stuff, questions and hard questions need to be asked i don't think enough people ask the questions you know or but discuss you, it in a in a that's what that's what i mean though like either hey yeah that's yeah thinking. it's always ends up be, ends up being a fight or like somebody oh, I like one today i had one today with uh with a listener of the show and and friend like we were high school rodeoed together uh lucas parker i'll bring him up i think it's i can talk about it with him but uh i can mention on the show he's, he listened to listen to majority of the podcast maybe maybe all of them but we talked about what was going on in canada and and he mentioned something where, uh, what was he saying here? Um, he was mentioning to me that we should have more time event stuff. It's he said it's a committee choice to have slack rather than adding the time events to the performance performances. Because I said that there's like no money in slack. Like there's no way to make any money out of slack. Like how do you? It's a money. It's only a money waste. It's only it's only a money thing. It's only a money thing when you have people in the stands. Yeah, like how do you? 100%. But then he, yeah. then he argued me. Said he said, uh, has anyone anyone ever tried to make entertainment out of Slack? How can you dismiss something that's never been tried? Well, the Slack's a Slack for a reason. It's not a performance. 
There's a lot mm. more money that goes into a performance. Anyway, oh, the, not enough the, the upside per- on a on a. There's hardly enough upside on a, on a lot of performances in rodeo put on by a volunteer committee. Yeah, and, you know, no, if, like I, I'm not trying. Well, to then, because well, and if you try to make it a if you try to make it a production, you got to hire your your announcer for another yeah. performance, your sound guy, your clown. Like you got to. There's so these, much that goes into it. Most of and these those, are those, I don't on a Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Who's going to come to the damn thing? Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, but like, and, and you can't put them in a ton of competitors. Yeah, you can't put them all on the perf because then you got a six-hour perf. That doesn't help mm-hmm. anybody either. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. like there have been time event, time event exclusive events, different times, mm-hmm. and I'm not taking anything away from those. There are some that work. There are some that uh, that that do a good job of, of it, and they make it a show where it's entertainment. But you know, I don't see a I don't see a there's no value add by improving like making the slack another performance or like when you're, no. you know what I mean. Like I don't it's think more there's so, any add in cost- ever having a slack. Like what? It only ever costs money. You might add more money to the to, to the purse, yeah, yeah, for just, the contestants. That's probably the only value but, add, but but it only it just costs, costs more money, money for the yeah. for the rodeo that already is has enough hard enough time getting. Sure. Getting so here's a here's like gear. another side of the coin thing of it though. Should you take away slack, does that reduce the amount of people who want to enter your rodeo? Make it, think it make it yeah. tiered so only the top guys get to go to the big rodeos. I shouldn't get to go buy my permit and go to Pinoca. That's horseshit. There's no, no way that but, I should be. Uh, Pernoka doesn't accept permits. They do in the timed events, or it oh, might okay. be semi-pro. But you got to win a thousand dollars. Like anybody yeah. can win a thousand dollars to go to that yeah. next. Yeah, right. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think I, I I'd rather see it tiered because then, like, we've had this yeah. conversation before where you're getting the best guys all the time. Yeah, because you, you so I think that's pretty it reasonable. A, actually, make it an entertainment product that people want to yeah. potentially pay. But then, and then you make it, it easier on the to, committees too, because they're not having to put on. Like you say put on a slack performance. Yeah. yeah, but then it goes back to the guys that aren't the top tier. Where do they go? That's what. Yes, that's why you have a tier. That's why you have. That's why you have a tiered. Yeah, that's why they're going to like, on even like amateur rodeos. Or they're going to Airdrie that weekend away. instead of Pinoca. Yeah, or they're yeah. going to Williams Lake. You know, they're no like they're going to the small, the small and me, the small and medium rodeos are more so for everybody yeah, else. Then you have your top tier rodeo. It's it's like when you play like you have like your AHL, NHL, and that and the, all that kind of stuff. You know. Hundred percent, but if you're a rodeo committee and I'm putting on a rodeo and and there's a chance that I don't get uh, Levi, put up more money, be a bigger yeah, rodeo. But you know what I mean? No, no. But I'm saying like if I'm putting on the rodeo and I know that you know this is what our max is for our rodeo. You know, you, is it still called a pro rodeo then? If you got tier three guys, yeah, it's still a pro rodeo, but it's not on the elite level. It's not on the elite tour. You can still go to a PBR and you might see some of these guys, but it's not that elite it's level. Not the, it's, it's not the the, the yeah, Unleashed the Beast series. You know, it's not, the, it's like not the elite saying, level. But like rodeo is so different where like pretty much all the committees are volunteer. volunteer. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Yeah, well that, where, that has to change too, I think. I think the volunteers can be part of it, but I think the associations have to be more like a business and run in a central location and put on their own events. You know, well, you don't should, see, yeah, it should be a league. Yeah, it should be right? a league. It should be should be a real Shouldn't be, be a just a sanctioning body. Yeah, they all. Yeah. yeah, we've we've been over this multiple times. I think anybody that listens yeah. gets that. And, and I'm no, not, was, yeah. I wasn't trying to give Luke a shit here. I was just saying that I, another conversation was brought up, and I, I just don't think there's no there's no slack in the NHL. So why the fuck do we? No. Have? <laughs> yeah. Right? Sure. What you know what slack is in the NHL? It's called it's called practice, and it's called. Uh, but nobody watches called pra- the fucking AHL. AHL, yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. one of those things where you just gotta look at it like does it like it's simple to look at like does it add value or not? And it does I feel like it doesn't add that much value to your show. The only value your, it adds is to the payout. That's yeah. That's the only ad. Essentially, so. yeah. 
Yeah. It's just giving a bunch of guys that are trying to the one the one thing I think something that is easily like forgotten about. Like I get that like you gotta look out for your contestants and people actually doing the thing, but you gotta remember, like Ted mentions it a lot, like you're in the business of entertainment. So you got you gotta worry about the fans and the people there paying to watch what they're watching more. I think that should be more at the forefront than the contestants at some point. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. But the contestants are the ones that technically own the organization. And that's what I mean, though. That's that's right. the problem. That's the, that's, the, that's the problem. Yeah, right. yeah. It's, no. the, it's the initial format. Yeah, it needs to be more. It needs to be more so broken apart, like the other big four sports of like the MLB and NBA, NFL, NHL, where they have you have your like your your league committee, like the NHL committee, a commissioner, and all that, and that group of people. Then you have your NHLPA, so it's your players representing. Then you negotiate. But then you yeah, still have the people. Deal. You still have the business people running the business side of the of the sport. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. And I don't know. I don't know if that can even happen. I don't know if the Not, I, can even do that. No. And like I don't. But I don't even think that, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's something they want to do. I don't even think do, that or... rodeo people can get along at that point to have it happen. You know what I mean? Like it's always yeah. ends up ends up being a pissing contest between everybody. Yeah. You know. Who knows? That's the. We, that's anyways. So we can we, we can sit here and talk about it for hours. Honestly, we, ha- we have. <laughs> yeah, we've times. kind of beat it for lack of a better term of beating a dead horse essentially over it maybe but somebody I, else someday decide they want to do it that way who knows yeah yeah uh, totally let's get into some topics here uh, i think on the top of the show the biggest talk in in canada right now is probably yellowstone as far as t- television all these little boxes we're watching all the time it's probably oh, man what an ad to canadian eh? tv it's so nice that like it's one of those because we really haven't had like full access to it because you either had to purchase it or whatever yeah. and like i'm not gonna and buy I'm cheap. it I, yeah, I'm not gonna buy it. I want it to be given to me on a streaming service. So, um, Amazon. What a dude! I pretty much fucking I we, me and Remdog binged the whole first the whole three seasons in less than a week. In less than a week, so you're already through it. So I thought yeah. I was watching a lot of TV, and I'm on like see, I only have like seven shows to go, so I'm not far behind you. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, what am I trying to say? But but you went through the whole thing, so you actually did it. Mm-hmm. And like we funny. started, we started watching. Yeah, like the the second the Saturday the second. And just like Dang. powered through it all. It was man, it's so Dang. good. It's so nice to have like a single episode. Man, you didn't, so you didn't do your home. You didn't do your homework. I did. I've been busy, but I like I, I've seen it. Everybody talks about it, so I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen it. It's so nice to have like uh, a cowboy show or like series in a modern era. You know, like yep. a lot of stuff that's made is back in like the eight, late 1800s, early 1900s when the West was wild and all this stuff. But this one's modern. It's, it's cool. It's modern. It kind of shows like the struggles of like modern day ranching. And I mean, albeit some of the stuff is cheesy, but I feel like that needs a to pretty, happen a for a minor amount, though. It's pretty, yeah. pretty authentic for the most part, I think. Except yeah, the, there's bucked all 10 rounds at the NFR. That was pretty. Fun. Yeah, there's stuff like that. That just I think that they just need to add that in just for like your average person for watching effect. yeah for effect yeah just add some of that drama like, there's a few things in there i don't want to give it away because foley's only watched one episode but there's a few like but you can you can say like the the bareback horse thing there's probably something like that you can refer to that wasn't not going to give away any critical no no then there's and there's like there's a few scenes where they like the the hands are doing stupid shit that's like nobody does that they definitely don't but, swing the rope quite right in a lot of the scenes when it's the actual actors when yeah, you, when you see it's the stunt guys, you can see that they're actually open, but there's some guys. Wait, like, like, kudos, kudos to the a lot of the actors okay. though. I've, I guess a lot of the actors on the show have bought into like the cowboy lifestyle and have put in the oh, work, really? like taking riding lessons, hey, what about, and learning how to rope and stuff. That's great. What about Heartland? Like, wasn't that like a modern? 
Yeah, but Heartland is Heartland. It was too. too like, much it was, of a drama, it, was a, it was a eh? C, it was a CBC show, so like it really wasn't like the edge that Yellowstone has. It was super cheesy. Like there's a lot no, more f bombs dropped in Yellowstone, and a lot right, more people right, getting but, punched and stuff. I I think to me Yellowstone's a lot more authentic than than Heartland overall. Yeah, I think Heartland's just a little too sugar coated and just ultra like all the episodes of Heartland I've watched are super cheesy. Like they're like and like where as Yellowstone. The cheese is dialed back a bit. It's a minimum amount of cheese, just yeah. sprinkled on. And I think a lot of it has to do with like More they actually have like cheese. cow. They have like like actually have cowboy actors and like like real cowboys involved with the show. So well, even I, I, I read I read about Taylor Sheridan, the writer in uh, in Cowboys and Indians today, actually, and read about him a little bit. And he's got a couple, got a bunch of cows he runs in Texas, and he's got. Uh, Ranch with a bunch of horses. He actually made a joke that he thought he had more horses than cattle, which was it's kind of impressive actually to have that. Many well, he horses. well one of the guys who acts on the show, Jake, is like his character, like his real name, but it's his character name too. He's like a cowboy has cowboy hat and glasses for people who don't know what I'm talking about. But he he's the one who sold Taylor Sheridan like his first horse, and that's how he got oh, really? involved with the show. Yeah, he gave like Jake like Taylor Sheridan riding lessons and stuff. Well, but and that kind of and oh, so yeah, that's that, how he Jake got came in. Yeah, and then Jake got brought to the show as a Wrangler, and then they needed another cowboy part dialed in, and he was the guy. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. he does. He seems really legit, that guy. Yeah, yeah. kind of looks like – he kind of like close. Looks like, looks like Justin Keeley. Keeley. Justin yeah. Keeley, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of, hey? Oh, if, you had if you had longer hair. Oh, okay. Man, and yeah. for me, this is like one of Kevin Costner's best roles. He's so good for this. I agree. Unbelievable, yeah. So I'm stoked about it. I'm sad that I'm through it already because now I have nothing to watch because I've – how do you guys watch? Uh, they finished filming season four, though. They, that's what I read nice. in the book. And one thing Perfect. that Sheridan said was, he's basically like, he's done a few different shows, but uh, he said he's basically making um, a sixty-hour movie in one-hour increments. Awesome. So, so it's like it's like so that's essentially saying sixty hours. Yeah, but Lonesome Dove was like nine hours, wasn't it, or ten hours? But you know what I mean, though. Like it was, it was a series that was essentially yeah. a really long movie. Yeah, but that's that, the Lonesome Dove was like three three hour and a half segments so it was like four and a half hours he's talking i know i i i understand but that's i'm making the same comparison (laughs) as lonesome though so we're uh we're three seasons in that means we've got like 30 hours so far so we're only halfway through halfway through you have a lot to look forward to still i'm stoked man it's it's like i said it's so cool and like and james i I made i made a tweet like yeah i'm gonna wait and then i'll binge watch all 60 hours (laughs) (laughs) It's, fu- it's funny how a lot of the stuff like brings up past trauma of like working for my dad or working for <laughs> anybody in ranching. It's like, fuck, like that's legit. It's kind of funny. Except we didn't. I thought anybody. James would have a comment about that. We didn't kill no people. Oh, you can't give it away, Waze. Well, it's one of those things. TV drama, people are going to get killed. All right. If people <laughs> die, people down. People die. People die on TV all the time. But okay. that's, it's a sweet show. I'm glad we have access to it now. It's great. If you haven't watched Yellowstone, check it out. They didn't even 10 out of 10 recommend. You. If you're looking for something to binge, we just enjoy but we it. have nothing to do. During the winter. Nothing. Okay, well, let's uh, let's go to break here and come back with uh, with our interview after this. How's, how's that sound for you guys? You like it? Sounds, Sounds good for me. Sounds good for me. Here, here uh, we'll, we'll finish off the top of uh, episode 82 with the song of the year, the year James Foley was born, 1988. Hell of a year. Michael. Man, this is a fucking banger. Holy shit. <laughs> Classic. 
surprised you're not jamming more fully. What's going on, man? Shit, this sounds like yeah, it could I'm be enjoy- a Disney. I'm this sounds like this song, song could be from a Disney movie. You know, I'm gonna just break out into song like mid conversation. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Or I'm getting ready for Limp Biscuit to come in. It's <laughs> like Belle just dancing in the fucking the Beast. We're back. It's episode 82 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Friend Mr. Foley's gone this week, but it's all good. We've got uh, our guest here. He's a University of Alberta graduate and 31-year veteran of the banking industry. He's the VP of Community Initiatives at ATB Financial, and he was the commissioner of the Canadian Finals Rodeo from 2006 to 2017. He's a current member of the board of directors for the Hockey Alberta Foundation and the Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine Team. Inventor of the toe drag and the original Johnny Hockey. <laughs> We're proud to welcome to the show, John Winwick. <laughs> what a great intro. Thanks for bringing in the toe drag. I love it. The toe dragon, as our waist <laughs> friend Wacy Rabbit says. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, uh, I did a little bit of research, as you could probably tell, John, and I, uh, I talked to our friends uh, Jeff Robson and Keenan Vine, and, and both of them said, I was like, you got anything on John that I might not know? And, and they're both like, they both said the toe drag, so I had to get yeah. there, put that in there. And I might yeah, have made up the original Johnny Hockey thing, but I think that yeah. probably still works. You can put it on your uh, Twitter handle, and it has to be true, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like Roland McFadden. Every, everything's been... true on Twitter. Everything's true on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, John, thanks for uh, thanks for doing that, doing the show with us here today. Uh, thanks for taking the time. It's another Sunday here, but uh, we sure appreciate you taking the time. And uh, just, I guess, I'll start off just say. Where are you at today? What's happening? How's things been the last little while? And uh, get us going that way. Sure. Uh, so I'm in my basement. Uh, wife and daughter <laughs> upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> Living life large. We did just crack a beer. So uh, Sunday, fun I had day. A one yesterday. So I'm pretty pumped about that. A little awkward watching a game of hockey in your basement by yourself. I'm not really, usually it was, it's with some buddies. Um, yeah. Although I am starting to think that uh, I got to find a buddy that's got an outdoor TV and we could just socially distance and have a beer. Did oh, you, is that you, Ted? Did or you see it? It? Fun, fa- fun fact. There's a guy in this chat who has that exact setup. <laughs> did you? You got to go well, look. I guess I know where I'm going. We, yeah, won't, say, go we won't say who because you don't get anybody in trouble because that's basically committing crime right now. But yeah. we do yeah. know a guy. We do know. I, I just, uh, th- this person may or may not have just set it back up yesterday when it was plus eight on January 2nd. So nice. The fire, keep your hands toasty, roast some marshmallows, yeah. some hot dogs. Yeah. It's a pretty good Sunday. Yeah. Or, that was a pretty good Saturday. So next, it was. Uh, so, uh, yeah, before the next uh, game here, we'll get it set up, John. I'll let you know. Love it. Do you think the Canadians got what it takes? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, I, I would like as soon as Kirby went down uh, as a doc. Yeah, Kirby doc, I was yeah. concerned because that's their top guy. But geez, they've really come back and solid tending. So I'm uh, obviously a huge hockey fan as well. ATV does a lot of work in that space, so I get the pr- pleasure of meeting a few of the uh, NHL guys and a lot of juniors. Uh, so yeah, I think they got it this year. We'll see. Nice. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool story on that goalie. How he's never like he came basically straight from junior A to the World Juniors. Never played a game with TV timeouts before. Like that's pretty. You have to change your whole routine going into the like one of the biggest tournaments of your career. And oh he's, God, yeah. But he's been outstanding. It's pretty cool to see. That's like yeah. my favorite thing about the World Juniors. Like the stories of all these small town kids kind of making it. And like, yeah. like the national spotlight for two weeks is pretty deadly. 
Yeah, and I don't know where he was drafted from, to be honest, but uh, or if he's, he's been from, drafted. He's from, he's from Quebec, and he was he was drafted in the seventh round this year. Okay. Yeah. So he's got yeah he's on the radar as somebody for sure. Mm-hmm. He's been playing mm-hmm. great. So yeah, I think the boys are going to do well. We'll see. And that's tomorrow, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, it'll be the semis yeah. tomorrow against the well, Russians. Oh, those Russians might have might have to miss a little work for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of funny for the games being in Edmonton. It's been the times have been pretty early for all our Canadian games. No, they're trying to get in prime time out east, but I would have thought more like an eight o'clock start. The five o'clock yeah. is early here, I think. But well, wouldn't eight o'clock be ten p.m.? No, Eastern I mean time? like six mountain is eight. O'clock oh, six mountain. Eastern. Six okay. mountain. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? I guess everything's five p.m. Everything revolves around the east. Yeah. Yeah. Was HQA. Does that happen much for the, with your work too, John? Or I guess not when you're with ATB. You get to work on it on Alberta's timeline at least. Yeah, aside from dealing with um, some partners that are in Toronto, it would normally, yeah, we don't have any, although our investment guys uh, and the oil and gas guys deal with uh, the TSC, TSX on a regular basis. So those guys are two hours earlier. So they start their days real early, but not my group. We're pretty tame on that. So let's, let's talk about the ATB, ATB uh, side of things and just what you're, what your work looks like and what it's been like the last, you know, been, you've been, how it's, how it's been changed the, over the last year, even. Yeah. 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 So yeah, a real high level. I've been with ATB 21 years, uh, different roles, but the one I'm in now is uh, just responsible for sponsorships across the province. Um, so I, I always joke that I'm the highest trafficked person in the company in terms of travel because uh <laughs> Uh, normally I'm on the road two, two days a week, at least uh, a lot of evenings, weekends, traveling, going to rodeos, as an example, uh, one of my favorites, Teddy, I'm not sure if you've been up there or Wacy if you've competed there, but Lee, uh, Lee Park, oh, yeah. uh, one of my all time favorites. I've made some great friendships there. Um, but yeah, we travel, I travel all over the province running events, have a team of about nine, nine people across the province. And then. We do everything from arts, culture events, so music, theater, um, certainly rodeo, uh, big into hockey. We support Hockey Alberta across the province, a lot of arts and culture components. So, um, and I guess in the last 10 months, uh, even before we kind of got shut down in March, we knew something was coming and kind of had to pull the strings back pretty quick. Um, the one thing I'm pretty proud of, and I know Teddy, you know him pretty well, Wacy, I'm not sure if you've met him, but Gord Bamford is a real close friend of mine and we dealt with Gord through work a whole bunch of times. And uh, it's a funny story actually, because I think our president got into the, into the booze, <laughs> called Gord up and take it with a grain of salt. He's a great guy, he's not a huge, huge drinker, but I think he had a couple pops, called Gord up and said, Gord, how do we how do we do something for Albertans during this difficult time? Then Gord called me the next day. I met him a week after uh, on Stephen Ave while it was they were still quasi shut down. Like we could sit on the patio and have a beer. Um, Gord and I got into it on the patio. Um, came up with the idea of the drive-in concerts. Um, another country artist had had tried one in Edmonton already, and it was. I'd say somewhat successful, but then we turned around and said, what's it going to take for us to do some cool events across Alberta 
and not only the major cities, but some of the rural markets, uh, or the, like the Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, secondary markets. Um, and yeah, we ran with that. That was probably the, kept me the busiest during the summer. And I hung around with Gord and his band um, for literally four months doing that. And it was great. So uh, I can't remember the numbers, but we, we would do two shows in a city, 250 cars. So it was just a drive-in uh, concept. Um, Medhat, Lethbridge, started in Red Deer, Calgary, Edmonton, GP, and Fort Mac. So yeah, great, great success. And uh, I mean, everyone hates hearing the word pivot, but we pivoted, decided what we were going to do and went there. And then we raised a ton of money for mental health too. That's the other component. Which has become like one of the major topics with this whole whole thing is just like how big of a hit people's mental health has taken with like basically no normalcy. Even like Ted and I went to Corbun show at the Wild Horse tent here. And that was, it was just nice to be able to get out and go enjoy like some live music and have something kind of normal. It's, it's really, it's really, it's amazing how much you don't think it helps your mental health, that kind of thing until you can go do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the one thing I would say, our president, when he came in, our, our president, Curtis Stange is his name. He's a great guy. I have a ton of time for him. He's running a, doing a great job running our company. But one of his mandates when he came in was we are going to make, be a major player in the mental health space. And so he's directed not only my team, but another other area where we spend a fair chunk of change to support mental health across the province. It's one of our pillars. Um, uh, you know, uh, Ty's foundation, uh, I think they do a ton of work on the mental health side as well, which I am a huge advocate of. I think we don't do enough of that. And, uh, you know, in my time with dealing with cowboys, um, and the guys I know really well, uh, they're probably the, the worst in the world for saying I might have an issue um, and dealing with it. They deal with it with alcohol or they deal with it with drugs or um, or they take it out some other way. And uh, so that to me, that is massive. And I think we can continue to do a lot of work in that space specifically for our uh, our cowboys and cowgirls to support them. But the general population period. We got to do a better, better uh, job of that. So I was hundred percent supportive of exactly what you said. So. John, I want to, I want to get into, uh, I guess we better get right at, right after it with the CFR business. I'm going to come back to some more ATB questions in a bit, but sure. you were, uh, you were the commissioner of the CFR. So first off, let's get a little bit of the history on what that position exactly was. I don't know if a lot of folks involved with rodeo really even know or knew about it when it existed what what that position was i i think it was kind of a thing that never really got a lot of press or like you guys weren't the the media person that talked to everybody about the finals like it, it's kind of something i don't know if a lot of folks even know about so i want to go the history of that first sure so um a friend of mine uh in 1974 was sitting on the board at northlands his name's len perry his son burke and i sat on the board together at northlands when I was there uh, as a board member, but Len started in 1974, he became the first commissioner and the, the commission, I guess high level, what the commission does, it has the final say on what happens at the rodeo. And uh, I know I kind of sent you my bio um, about the abuse that I would take walking. Uh, I always joke about this, but I would walk, um, for people that knew me as the commissioner, I would start going around the building, even in the basement or up upstairs, guys would grab me, pull me aside and say, what's this crap going on in the arena? Or 
why aren't you speeding up the rodeo or, you know, it's, it's on and on and on. Anyways, I'll get into that in a bit, but uh, the commission is set up. There's seven members, three from the CPRA, uh, three from Northlands and typically their board members and then a commissioner. And so Northlands, because they, this, and maybe the Cowboys didn't like that, but because Northlands was putting the money up to run the rodeo, they wanted the final, final say on contract acts, um, you know, entertainment, uh, who the announcers were, all the above. And so they always had the final vote between the CPRA and the board members. So it was a four to three vote. Um, but rightly so, Northlands was putting up the money to run this event. And they did that from 90, from 74 all the way to 17, I think it was. Um, so th at the end of the day, the people that sat on the commission, um, Greg Cassidy, when I first started, was one of the members from the CPRA, as an example. Um, and then over time, I met people like uh, Keenan, uh, Jimmy Pippolo, uh, Jeff Robson, who's become a close friend. I mean, all these guys I mentioned here have become really good buddies over the years. Um, and then uh, numerous members from um, the CPRA. But it's really a governing body of the CFR. Northlands had most of the, you know, they would come to us with the marketing plan. They would come to us with, you know, the contract negotiations for the stock contractors, which would be, I mean, there was stuff that the CPRA owned and then stuff that Northlands would own and then stuff that came up to the top that had to have decisions made. So um, I, I will say during the time I was the commissioner that 99% of the time, the relationship was perfect. Both sides realized we had to understand, you know, like we would get pushback from CFR, sorry, CPRA members. Um, why isn't this rodeo just like C, uh, NFR? And I would say because NFR has multinational corporations supporting it. It's the largest event they do in the States outside of maybe Texas, the big one they run in Houston. Um, but the money is there. They have, you know, I, I would tell you Wrangler has been an amazing sponsor of CFR for years, but what they would spend in Edmonton versus what they would spend in, in Vegas was completely different. So we had to have, ability to put the light on our sponsors um, during CFR. And that's why we did those, you know, different events and breaks during the, uh, the rodeo. Would I have loved to have had a two hour rodeo, um, you know, guy falls, he's out, you're, the horse is gone and we go, we buck, right? Uh, I'd love to do that. I always wanted to do that as a commissioner, but it wasn't feasible because we had, allegiances we had to make with other sponsors to give them their visibility. So anyways, high level, that's, that's what the commission did. Um, we also dealt with the city um, in Edmonton trying to work on promoting the event and then um, uh, obviously deal with the CPRA if they had issues of, you know, everything from um, Cowboys getting out of hand or media not, you know, working with them appropriately, all the above. So head <laughs> oh yeah that was me i got that he was always good <laughs> no, except funny, for that I, one I, time. I feel kind of bad now because we we, we kind of ragged on the how the long purpose of the cfr here a few times in the show but <laughs> when you put it in perspective it kind of makes a bit more sense but yeah well yeah and Lacey, it's uh like 
I've built up a lot of friends over the time I've been on the commission and, and with rodeo. Um, and some of my best buddies would come up to me and say, how do we speed this up? And so over time we did, we, you know, we were out, you know, two hours, 30, two hours, 40. Sometimes if we had a wreck in the arena, it would take a little longer near the end. We were getting down to two hours and, you know, 20 minutes with less and less of the, you know, entertainment per se, but um, yeah, we worked on that really hard. It was certainly a mandate of mine to, to make the rodeo as quick as possible so that the true cowboy fans would love it. Um, and then, so here, let me just go down another path because I think it's important for your listeners or who are all rodeo nuts. Um, the problem that continues today, and I, I, I don't have a solution for it, is we need to elevate the visibility and awareness of cowboys and cowgirls. We need to make them celebrities so that when they show up in Red Deer or Edmonton or Calgary, that, you know, they're held in the same esteem as an NHL hockey player or you name it, a tennis player or whatever. Um, you only do that by increasing the perfs and you are the, the increasing the dollars they make and making them that much more of a celebrity. And that will drag other people into our sport over time. So that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not a cowboy. I grew up in Edmonton. Um, I had a friend that was a cowboy, a bull rider, um, who I look up to and, and started following at an early age. And that's where I kind of had my love of rodeo. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had that. So we really, over time, had these, this, this balance of how do we support our rodeo fans that understand the sport, but how do I bring new, new uh, visitors and fans to the sport? And that's, that was our biggest conundrum. Who was the guy from Vegreville? Uh, a, a close friend of the family named Greg Peranich. He's, he'd be about, I'm going to say he'd be 60, 60 years old now. So way before you guys, but he was kind of on the, the B circuit. Uh, just a close friend of our family. My, we met him through, uh, my sister met him during university and he, him and his, it's a funny story. They'd get buckled. And instead of driving home to Vegreville, they'd come to my house and sleep in the basement. So that's how we met, <laughs> met these two guys from Vegas. And then they started living on campus and would come over for dinner on a regular basis. But I remember going out and watching him ride, uh, in some of these small towns. And, uh, that's how I got hooked. And then, and then you ended up on the board at Northlands in 2000 and you spent 15 years on the Northlands board and as a volunteer, for those that don't know, and, and as a commissioner, you're still a volunteer. You, you, you're doing all this because you want to, because you want to see, as you mentioned, you said our sport, you, you have like, you never competed, but you still call it our sport, which I like, I know you're on the inside of it, John, but I, that means a lot to a guy like myself for you to say it's our sport that you, yeah. you're as much a part of this as anybody else. And, and probably a bigger supporter for having not even been an actual competitor. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, I, I will say there are, uh, you know, the Earl Clapsteins, which I think a few of you guys know, there are numerous people, all of that was volunteer hours. There's no question. Um, the perks were, I got a leather jacket once a year. I have them all. <laughs> I, the funny thing is in my back left corner of my office, I have the majority of my CF. I have my first CFR jacket. I have the last one. And I've given away probably the majority of the other ones over that time. Um, I wore those with a lot of pride because I, I, to this day, I take a lot of pride in CFR and the, 
you know, what we've done. And I do call it our sport because I'm still a passionate advocate for it. So, and I will be, so. Well, yeah. Like, what, what, what was it that drew you to the sport? Like what kind of got you hooked? It's, I always like hearing people from like a non-traditional lens, like what draws them to rodeo and why you became so passionate about it. Yeah, I, I think, so when I joined Northlands at, in 2000 on the board, uh, and massive board, by the way, like they've, they've cut it down. I think Northlands is in tough, dire straits right now, but there used to be like 36 of us on the board. Um, and it was a real difficult process to get on the board. You had to, you know, I think it was like a thousand people would show up in a room and vote for you. And once you did that, you, uh, once you finally got voted on, you had to be nominated, then voted on and get on. And then you had to run every three years. So um, I had my share of votes while I was there. But uh, Wacey, I think it's a great question. I think uh, I think there's two things. One, my buddy, Greg Peranix, the bull rider that rode on the B circuit. I looked up to him as a person um, and I knew he was he was a pretty good bull rider in his time. Um, so that, that helped. And then the second piece was, I think everyone grows up thinking uh, about a cool life, how, you know, the life the Cowboys live. Um, after I get to, to learn over the years how difficult a life it is being on the road from dealing with uh, many of them over the years, talking to them about how expensive it was to survive and how to make money. Um, but, you know, I think people gravitate to that. I think it's, uh, it's part of our history in Western Canada. And I, I always take a tough, a lot of pride in the Western way of life. Um, I spent a, a little bit of time in Wainwright on a friend of ours farm um, and loved every minute of that. So I kind of gravitated to that. And then I got to start riding horses in, in high school with uh, a girlfriend of mine who had horses. And then I just got hooked. So. So do you have any of your horses now? Or are you like, are you committed to nope. this? <laughs> no, so that's classic, Lacey, because <laughs> as the commissioner, I think, uh, I know Len Perry did, um, that he had horses. His family's got an ag background. Warren Holt, who took over from Len, I believe he had horses. And then Lascuta, Dale, who's a close friend of mine, he's had horses. But I think I might be the first commissioner that never owned a horse so I just learned my, I learned the ropes by asking a lot of questions over the years. So, yeah. I wasn't sure if you're going to go there again, Waste, but. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Teddy. Um, so, to, so on the, on the board with Northlands, there was a lot of other things involved, whether it be, you know, the chair of the CFR committee, uh, black tie bingo with the Edmonton rodeo Cowboys benevolent fund Klondike yeah. days. It wasn't just the CFR the, the Northlands, for those that don't know, is a is a registered egg society in Alberta, correct? And what was one of the is one of the oldest ones in the whole province. And yep. I don't know if we want to get into the story on, on Northlands and how things went there to where they're in rough shape now, but go with it as you wish. Talk about what else there was uh, with Northlands. Yeah, so I mean, as a board member, you get pulled into different groups, and uh, obviously, I. I wanted to be on CFR, so I immediately asked if I could be on the, uh, we have a volunteer group. There's about 500 volunteers for CFR every year. Um, so immediately I got on that committee. Uh, Black Tie Bingo worked on that because had a passion for that. Um, and that's, I would say that to this day, and Jeff Robson and I have had that chat that, you know, I still sit on that committee as well as sports medicine 
Um, and we have to figure out a way over time to raise money in Red Deer to keep that thing going. Otherwise, you know, in four or five years, the money is going to be gone. The money that we raised over the years is going to be gone from that foundation. Um, so that's something that we're working on behind the scenes. And I think we'll probably find some love from Red Deer to create some events and programming um, to continue to build that. Because uh, I can't tell you how many cowboys over the years have come up to me and said, were you on that, you know, benevolent foundation? And I would say, yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, organizations because we, we help cowboys get back to their regular lives and get, you know, healed up and back on the road. Um, and many guys have come up and girls have come up and said, you know, if it wasn't for you guys, I, I, I would have been broke. Um, just that I needed that three to six months of money to cover my injuries and get my family and me back in the green. So, yeah. When um, but yeah, from Northland standpoint, lots of different roles over the years. Um, but yeah, I gravitated to CFR cause it was the something I really wanted to get involved with. So black, black tie bingo was a huge fundraiser. I remember getting to go a couple of years in probably 11, 12, 13, 14, like when I was working with the CPRA in there yep. and uh, a wonderful event. I wish that it was still around. I wish, I hope we can bring it back in Red Deer. Uh, if you need any help with that, let me know too, John. Like I'm glad to help yep. however I can on any of that stuff, but such a fun time. Yep. And like what the Cowboys don't know, and I think we're under appreciative of it is wh where that money came from, what, what it took to make that money. You guys had a booth on the concourse at, in Edmonton uh, and, and like even, but even the, even the fundraising, at black tie bingo it wasn't rodeo cowboys there to support it it was it was the city of edmonton yep. and the and the folks there like one guy i remember seeing there was chris sheets uh danny hooper was the mc earl yep. was a huge supporter whether it be donations i bought some ties there from what the yep. auction one time i got a, <laughs> a piece of art that's in the in the house here from uh i think john stone like it's from black tie bingo there was an atb buckle that i got in the auction there one time too like it was yep. a it wasn't rodeo cowboys going to it though. It was the, it was this folks in Edmonton and probably a lot of your friends and contacts that end up helping and bringing their money to this event. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say about that one is number one, we had great support from once a cowboy showed up, they loved it. They enjoyed it. We got the, you know, we didn't put them in awkward situations, but we put them at tables with, with other people. And then, you know, they, they get to meet these city slickers get to meet these cowboys and then they become immediate fans and then they want to show up at CFR and see, you know, I'll use one of my closer buddies, Davey Shields, right? Junior. They'd yeah. see Davey at an event like that uh, or Dustin Thompson or, you know, all these, all these different names come up, but they would sit at dinner with them and they they and their wives would be there. Um, in many cases, they'd have a few too many drinks enjoy their night with the, with the group at the table. And then they immediately created eight fans. Right. Yeah. And those guys are the people that number one, most of those people that show up to that event had suites that they were hosting customers in. So, you know, I remember on numerous occasions, uh, ATV already had always had a suite at, uh, at Rexall, uh, sorry, at the Coliseum. And, you know, the people that I would know, I just call a few of the boys and say, Hey, when you're done, is there any way you'd come up and meet my customers? And black tie bingo, that's, that happened on a, on a regular occurrence. And it just built fans, you know, one at a time. And once you meet a cowboy and you get to connect with them, you become his biggest fan. And then 
that just snowballs. So, um, yeah, and you're right. It was all just mainly local Edmontonians um, who either had a little bit of love for uh, rodeo or just knew that it was the right thing to do to come out. And so we had every corporation from Epcor, Stantec, ATB, TELUS, you name it. They were all there helping out. And then individual people like Dave Majeski, which a few of you guys might know, uh, who also sat on the Northlands board. We just used our contacts every year. There was a time every summer where we'd start calling people for prizes. Yeah. And get, <laughs> so, yeah. But a great event. And I, I agree. Jeff Robson and I and Brandon Tomey and numerous others have talked about. So how do we duplicate that in Red Deer? And I, I you know, I travel the province a lot. I think there's enough people there. Um, if we got the right group together, we can start something like a black tie bingo there. And, uh, you know, we used to raise 80 to 100,000 on the event. Uh, and that goes a long way. And then 50-50. So uh, those are the two fundraising pieces. The 50-50 at the CFR, right? Yeah. And that would have been 20, that would have been 100,000 at the CFR or more likely, wouldn't it have? Yeah. So our our average, like on a really good year, we'd get 90,000 people over six days. Yeah. That was kind of our our number, our hope. Um, that was kind of the, you know, there's the, the six-pack issue, which uh, I'm going to offend a few of our, our amazing rodeo fans. Too bad. But, there are some six pack members who own seats and they were the reason that we kept CFR going because they bought all six performances. Yeah. But we would get these six pack members that didn't show up Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And there's, so the building would be partially empty. It would look bad to the Cowboys, but a lot of those tickets in the lower bowl were sold, but weren't being used. So another issue that we tried to resolve over the years, right? Like, how do we fill that building up when you got six pack members? Some of them aren't there or don't hand their tickets out or they don't get used. Um, but they were the lifeblood. So don't, don't get me wrong on that. They were the lifeblood of the event. How many but, were there? You know, I, I don't know that number. Northlands, there's a lady by the name of Sue Miller that used to run all the tickets for us. Yeah. She could tell me in a heartbeat. It was, I'm going to say it was the majority of the lower bowl would be like six. It was pack. like 6,000, six, yeah. six to 9,000, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's closer to six. six I think it was closer to six thousand. So, yeah, so that's thirty-six thousand tickets right there over the, yeah. or more because they yeah. might have had four seats. So that was probably half of your ticket sales for the entire week was your basically season ticket holders of yeah. the CFR. Well, I and I knew so back to my buddy, uh, the, the guy that I met in Lee Park, Rick Hozak, who's yeah kind of the backbone of that event. He's been a great guy, and Lloyd Gray, guys like that. Um. Rick Hozak, when I first got to meet Rick and started getting to know him, and I knew his son-in-law really well, um, Rick had at least, I think he had four together and then two and two. So he had eight six-pack seats. Just himself. And he man. was trying to buy more and more every year if he could. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah, well, that's, that, that, that ties in pretty good to like the conundrum you posed earlier of like trying to appease your current rodeo fans and attracting new fans. Yeah. Six pack holders, like it'd be for me, it'd be easier to give a new fan experience in the lower bowl because you're closer to the action. But when you have those six pack holders with like not using those tickets and there's empty seats and you have your newer fans up in the higher levels, like how do you create that experience to make it that much better for the new fan? It's kind of like yeah. a double edged sword almost. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you see, you see, it, and you see it in Red Deer too. Yeah, and so I don't know what, uh, you know, you'd have to talk to Jeff and the CPRA on how many tickets were transferred over. We've got a smaller building in Red Deer, obviously. Um, I think it would be, I'm going to say six to 8,000 for the arena. So right there, you're losing 6,000 fans, right, a night. That's a lot of revenue. So I, I think that's an issue that they have to manage. But, um, you know, if they could sell it out every night and then get the sponsors lined up. Um, but part, again, part of the problem is you used to draw 14,000, sorry, it was six eight. 16,800 in Edmonton on a night, right? Uh, in a fully fully sold out building. Uh, now you're at 8,000. So as a sponsor, I'm only connecting with 8,000 people as opposed to 16,000. Um, one of the things, the, the, the other things we struggled with over the years was, and I think it was in 2013, we got it on TV in some capacity. Sportsnet. Uh, we've always struggled with that, right? Trying to make sure we had a good TV feed. But again, it's great to have a good TV feed to expand the uh, awareness of CFR, but you're also giving people an excuse not to show up and spend money in the building. But right? that uh, was that TV deal, was that a, a piece where you guys gave the content to Sportsnet or did they pay for it a little bit or what, that, what did that deal look like? Yeah, so again, that's the that was and Jeff Robson at the time I think was instrumental in trying to get that one going because we knew again you want to build the awareness, you want to show rodeo to as many people as you can and build fans and then maybe they'll come in person. Um, I think the CPRA did that deal in conjunction with Northlands, but CPRA drove it and did a great job of it. But it, again, I think it just came down to how much revenue and i'm not sure if it was a pay-per-view component or not but it was right on uh, sportsnet john i remember we were in the, in yeah, the yeah. on sunday night and we watched it watched it i remember there, yeah. be, there never there was uh there was no info on the screen it was just rodeo there was like there was no lower thirds there was no stats no scores no leaderboard yeah. they totally blew that part like i think that was the yeah. was involved on the production side of it, but they really dropped the ball on that side of it to like, yeah. you see a rodeo on TV. You don't know where it is. You don't know who's competing. It was kind yeah. of rough that side. Like we'd be, we'd be in way better shape to make that happen. Now it was great to see it happen, but it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a miss on part of it, I guess it was, it was yeah. huge for the sport though. The first time I'd been on national TV since, you know, besides the Calgary stampede, probably the first time the CFR maybe had ever been on national yeah. TV since the, since the, uh, the days when Ralph Murray was the uh, the CPRA president, and they had the CBC tour, then that was like well, that probably was done like mid '90s and started mid '80s yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. So a huge step, but but it just it's too bad it didn't didn't. It's fly. hard to capture new fans when people don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. biggest thing. I, again, I I will go back to you know if it's one thing that I I. I uh, kick myself about, and it, I think everyone's going to deal with this over time, but it's the one thing that I wish I could have accomplished better uh, with Northlands, with the CPRA, is so, Wacy, if you were in town, like, people are running to get your autograph, and people knew who you were. Um, the Davy Shields of the world, the, you know, these elite athletes, that the Roddy Hayes of the world, if I had done my job better and, you know, take, I'm taking it with a grain of salt, but, uh, you know, 
they Scotty Schiffner should never have been able to walk down Edmonton without people, people pulling him aside and giving him and asking for an autograph. And if if we could have achieved that and built up the prowess and the expertise and like people loving these cowboys and cowgirls to that level, then the sponsors would follow. And we could just never get to that level. And I think that's, you know, Jeff Robson and Keenan and a few other guys, we have beer pretty regular. Um, and we're always talking about uh, CFR and how we elevate and what we could do to help. Um, but that really comes down to the grassroots piece is rural Albertans or, or ag people understand rodeo and they know these people, but sponsors don't want to just support uh, rural Alberta. They want, you know, they want this large mass of people to uh, watch and sponsors won't come until we can build that package up. That's my, that's always been the, the biggest issue for me. I think you guys are on the right track though, with like the black, like the experiences by connecting like with the black type bingo or black type uh, poker and stuff and connecting yeah. athletes with these people. Cause like you say, you create, a, you create fans of those people, you give them something to cheer for. It's, it's, it's crazy how much value that carries. Like in Calgary here, I know some people work for trans Canada and they love Zeke Thurston. Cause he always, always during the stampede, he always goes up to their, their booth and mingles with them. So I think yep. that's, it's kind of on the right track, but I think maybe more, if it's expanded on more, you can kind of get to that level where you want it to be. Yep. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think it should be they're, they're professional athletes and the best of what they do. They shouldn't, they should be treated in the same regard as the yep. Johnny Goudreau's and Con well, maybe not Conor McDavid's, but you know, yeah. <laughs> well, I can even put those two in the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a Flames fan. So I always, yeah. I, I don't like yeah. the others. So I, I cheer for both teams. So I'm you're you and Ted are the same part-timers. I don't love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get a lot of abuse over that. So, but I, I, give, it, I give it to Teddy on the regular. <laughs> yeah, he deserves it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, side, man. what do you, uh, what do you think that would take though, John? Like, if you were going to do it differently now, looking back, like to where things are now, what would you have done differently or how would you have done things? Like, you, you couldn't have given all your time either because it was a volunteer position. It wasn't your main focus yeah. either. Like, you're trying to do this as a, as a volunteer position. Jeff and Keenan are, Jeff's, Jeff's, the GM was, kind of mostly a part-time thing for him really too. Yep. It was kind of full-time, but kind of volunteer sometimes. Keenan was a full-time with the CPRA until uh, 2014. I believe he moved on to the Calgary Stampede, but yep. uh, there it was, it was just, I want to get into that a little bit. Well, so what I would say, the biggest thing that if, if we, if, if I had a magic ball and I could go back, um, then the one thing I would focus on would be, identifying, you know, I'm going to say three to six title sponsors that would put the money in so that we had, you know, we could put it on TV. We could elevate the visibility. We could increase the purse, right? Like, you know, you look at all these guys that uh, over their careers, how much money they, uh, you know, they made. And then you tell people like, so I'm going to use Davey Shields again because Davey and I are really close friends. We golf a ton together. But I tell Davey, I, I tell people I'm golfing with when I introduce them to Davey and I say who the guy is, how much money he made, and they're immediately blown away. Like, you're a cowboy and you made, you made a million bucks? Like, are you kidding me? Like, and it, it automatically elevates him to another level with them. And if I could have done one thing, it would have been – having a full time and I 
you know, I'm, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because I don't want to cut Northlands down too much. Northlands made, we made some good money on CFR. It wasn't our only event, right? We used to make, you know, $8 million a year just on concerts at uh, Rexall or uh, the concert. Uh, Sky Reach, however far right? you want to go back. So yeah. <laughs> that was where, yeah, going back to Sky Reach days, but that's where Northlands made the majority of their money. Uh, Klondike days, they would make a couple mil. We didn't make a ton of money on CFR, but we used the eight mil that we did running concerts to backstop and, and build up CFR because we were an ag society and it was part of our mandate. And it should have been, to be honest. But I would have, I would have paid three sales guys and said, we're going to give you these properties um, to work with at CFR. You go out and get us three to six title sponsors that in different categories and we get enough money so that we could build all of those different components up. And that's, I fault Northlands a little bit because at the end of the day, it was a priority, but it wasn't their biggest priority. Um, and the CPRA was in a tough spot too. They can't afford, you know, they, they were always bumping and grinding trying to get money for people to sponsor their, them, not only the CPRA throughout the year, but then on top of that, they're looking for sponsors for CFR. So um, you know, I, ATB for many years was a, a major sponsor there. Um, and I was certainly a proponent of that behind the scenes, but um, at one point they walked away too. And they obviously didn't find value uh, anymore. And that was lost revenue for, for the Cowboys. And would I have loved to have seen us $2 million purse um, my friends, the stock contractors would have been happy because their their dollars would have gone up, and the Cowboys would have been happy. But we could never get there. So, Pete, one of the one of the pieces you mentioned in your notes was it cost a quarter million dollars to clean the building after just for before I went back to hockey. Looking yeah. at the prize money was the prize money was over a million dollars, and the cost if that was a quarter million, your your total event costs were probably around three million dollars to put this event on per year, and you probably only generated a profit of a couple hundred thousand at best. And it would have lost money if you, a different couple of years. Yep. It, it wouldn't have been, like you said, it wouldn't have been a huge priority on, on the Northland side, but then we go look at the CPRA side and they were just happy to have a, have a free finals essentially. Yeah. Right. Cause they just signed on the dotted line. Yeah. We'll come to every, every year. We'll bring our best people and yeah. you guys are going to pay us a million bucks. It was easy for the CPRA, but kind of probably some, uh, some bad dealings on their side to not, protect their brand more so for the for those that don't know or didn't remember there was the only cpra logo there was in the entire building was on the fence behind the buck and shoots or something like there it was a it was a northlands event and no, and yeah. no offense northlands like i got i have no you know i have no problem with anybody anything like that i'm just pointing out that there, there wasn't even a cpra logo in that arena yeah you know, there's a lot of northlands logos but it, it was the canadian finals and that would be like having the nfr without having a prca logo in that arena yeah. You know, like yeah. you'd have the flag at the start, but, but still it was just kind of an interesting, interesting deal, but like the CPA didn't profit anything on it. They had a flat fee of uh, at one point it was like $300,000 or was that the new deal for downtown or it was something like that where it was a sanctioning fee where the CPA yeah. got a check for 300 grand yep. to do whatever they wanted to with, with the CFR. That was part of the agreement that that was like 2004 was the big increase and big change right before you came in as commissioner. That was a yep. deal Dale did. And Dale went on to be the CPA president after that too. Yep. Yeah. 
and we had a few of those over my term where we, you know, we, I know we had some con stock contractor discussions as well as the purse, right? And I think we increased it, you know, whatever percentage over so many years, it was an escalator, but uh, yeah, but you're right. Um, part of that was it was really a Northlands event, CPRA, you know, had what they wanted out of it and Northlands had to generate the revenue and it was all really up to them to get the sponsors, uh, as many sponsors as they could, uh, pay the stock contractors, contract acts, all the above. So it was essentially a, like a, a bought event on the Northland side where they pay the CPA to come and have to bring their people in. Like it was basically a sanctioning, a sanctioning fee. It goes back to the fact that the CPA doesn't produce any rodeos and probably is a yeah. huge downfall on their behalf on how they make rodeo better too, because they have 50 events every year that they could be promoting the CFR at, which they kind of did, but didn't do, yep. you know, they're, they're a sanctioning body. So it, it kind of comes down to, it wasn't only Northlands. It was, you know, it takes all the pieces of the, you know, it takes everybody to tango here and, and the CPA didn't live up to their end of the bargain either. They kind of just got it off their plate, you know, no offense, but it was probably, I think it was actually probably, uh, uh, was it, would it have been, uh, Bob Robinson at the time, was he the one that signed the deal? And he would have been thrilled because the CPA board was said, they're going to give us a million dollars. Like, sure. Let's where, where do we sign? They would have been yeah. just so thrilled. Cause they don't, they don't put on rodeos. They're not going to, there's no way the CPA at that time is going to find anywhere else to put on a million dollar event. Yeah, I mean, Bobby was there when I started, um, and he's a gentleman I have a ton of time for. Uh, oh, me too. Yeah, uh, amazing, amazing guy. Um, Phipps was the other guy that was there, but um, yeah, I, I don't think that the the and I wouldn't take anything away from the CPRA. I think they've always, uh, and I don't know their budgets. I have no idea what they make in a year. Um, they're a nonprofit too. Same, right. as, same as Northlands. Same as Northlands. But for the CPRA to come in and say, we want to rent your building for a week. If they did that, they wouldn't have had the resources to pay for, you know, you got to market it. And that Northlands owned that. They, they had to sell tickets. They don't have a ticket database to do that too, right? And, that, you know, that's the other thing that I think the CPRA we owned the ticket base from 1974 on. And, um, you know, I, I was looking through a few magazines of, you know, where we started, what the purse was and how it grew over time. And for many years, we were, uh, we spent a lot more than the stampede did on purse for Cowboys. And I'm quite, quite proud of that. Uh, and take that with a grain of salt because I love the stampede as well. I think they've done an amazing job. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I don't think the CPRA even today would have the resources or the ability or the dollars to just say, okay, I'm going to do what Stampede does and run an event. They don't, they yeah. don't have a venue. Right. And I don't think they'd ever have the ability to do that as much as they have some amazing people there. I don't, I think they've never been in that position to never, never been in that business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, wait, I got enough on a bit of a, uh, tough one there. Sorry about that. Ah, kind of getting deep. Let's yeah. talk about, let's talk about the CFR leaving Edmonton though. And the, the, uh, pack of clowns that were involved in, in running that show out of town. <laughs> yes, well, that's a tough one for me to jump into. Cause I, but I, I will speak candidly. 
I, I think we ran into a mayor in Edmonton. Um, we used to have Bill Smith, who was there, and he was a massive advocate. I can't remember the dollars that, like it, it was in the millions that CFR and Farm Fair, which we've conveniently forgotten about, uh, Farm Fair brought all these amazing ag families into town, and they were there for like 14 days, days almost, yeah. setting up, right? Um, and they would be in hotel rooms, they'd be buying meals, they'd be at West Edmonton Mall buying Christmas gifts, and then we'd roll CFR in for six days. And we had a good mayor that really was, he understood the benefits to the city of having full, you know, in November at one of the coldest parts of the year, having Something a busy new. city. Um, and then we got another mayor um, who I'll be honest, I, I didn't see eye to eye with. I fought with him tooth and nail the entire time he was in office. Um, and he had no interest in, he had no interest in keeping Northlands whole through this whole piece. Um, and, you know, I don't blame the Oilers for, for wanting a non-compete. Um, but I think had the mayor been a little bit more aggressive, the two could have survived. The Oilers probably could have had their building. Northlands could have run secondary events. So in my mind, um, Rogers Place could have had hockey. They could have, they could have shipped the Oil Kings to Rexall or to Roger, uh, sorry, again, the Coliseum because they don't draw the same amount of crowds. They could have shipped secondary concerts to come to town when their building was not, was full with hockey or something else. Um, so like lesser music concerts. Um, and they could have profiled the big concerts when they were available at Rogers. And it could have been a win-win. Um, but the mayor, I think, through discussions with the orders at the time, they just said, we don't want any competition. And so that was the end of Northlands as far as I saw it. Um, with this, they signed off and we lost $8 million in revenue at the stroke of a pen. And that was the downfall of Northlands. And I'll be surprised if they survive. Um, really the only revenue they have coming in is farm fair and Klondike days today. I don't know what else they're doing. Racing's gone, right? Um, their, their headquarters isn't even in Edmonton anymore. They're in Sherwood Park now, aren't they? Like they're out yeah, of Yeah, they've got some offices in Sherwood Park, so. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's, it's tough to see. Uh, yeah. The one thing about Northlands is that they ran events and programs um, for like 125 years that normal businesses wouldn't run. And they were also a conduit for uh, funding through the government, specifically on the ag side. Like if people think that farm fair would have continued without support from the government, they're, you know, they're mistaken. They're, the dollars weren't there. Um, the revenues were minimal, if anything, um, but we were an ag society and we wanted to have that in our backyard and it was a, you know, a good event, but, uh, we were a conduit for government money, um, provincially and federally. Um, but once that's gone, I don't know who in the city is going to do that anymore. Huh? Wow. That's uh, that's a sad deal on that side of the thing. Like, yeah, it's I mean, tough. the orders have an amazing building and they're doing and I'm friends with quite a few of their management team. They're good people. I'm not begrudging the orders for any decisions they made. It's a good um, deal on their end. 
Yeah, and uh, it's we've all been in the building. It's phenomenal. So yeah, Kate's got a nice suite out of the deal. He he got yeah. signed a really good deal. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, tough though. Like you talk about like rodeo and stuff being our roots and agriculture, and it, it seems like it's just getting driven out of a place where it was almost like a hub for so long. Yeah, that to me, Lacey, that's a really good comment. To me, that was, you know, I, I think, I think the Oilers looked at it and said. If it's, if it's part of the negotiation or part of the deal, and this is where I fault the mayor. I think that the mayor at the time could have said, you are going to make room for CFR because we need to keep it here. I don't think the mayor did that. And I can't speak for the mayor. I'm not, I won't go there. But I think he could have said to the Oilers, you know, for years, Northlands has run this event um, in the building. Even when you guys had the Oilers there, you had to do a road trip once a year you're going to suck it up and we're going to continue to have CFR in Edmonton. And I think that's the biggest, probably the biggest downfall of this whole thing was that we, we had the ability to keep it in Edmonton, um, move it to a brand new building, uh, which would have been amazing. You know, lots more suites, lots more ability to get other sponsors involved. And we couldn't because some people made some decisions that, um, didn't see us moving forward. And I know the CPRA tried their darndest to keep us there, but it just wasn't going to happen. Well, and yeah, and the, and the CPRA too, there were some folks on their end that weren't on board, living, weren't living above the line on those negotiations. I think might be a good way to put it. There were some funny management in place in those <laughs> couple of years that caused myself and some others to, uh, uh, cancel our contracts we had and move on to other uh other ventures so yeah well yeah. again it goes back to that the same conundrum of the appeasing the new rodeo for the regular rodeo fans and getting new fans it'd have been a lot easier to attract a lot of new rodeo fans in a downtown arena oh yeah oh god yeah like it's like it's so it was so far out of the core where they were going to the rodeo and imagine having it in that nice building and it'd be so much easier to get like i said to get the sponsors and then bring in the new yeah. people it just it's it's sad Look, well, I mean, even so, this was one of my biggest issues with Northlands. Uh, just for to be right up front, I like a beer, I like a good scotch once in a while, and I'm not shy with red wine. And it would drive me nuts that we would finish a performance on a Saturday night and they'd shut the bar down at midnight. And I'd be like, What are you doing? You got all we're entirely packed. Why do you have to shut this bar downstairs? Like, what are you doing? Um, we seem to deal with that every year. Had we moved to that new building, knowing the people I know at North at um, at Rogers with the owners group, they would have had they had that massive. It would have casino. been Cowboys right there. Central. There's a casino right there. Yeah. Like the food and beverage capability that they would have had, just to drive new people into that building, I, I think would have been through the roof. And you're right, wait, see, we we could have. I think we would have had a really good opportunity to drive people into that building just because of the amenities they had versus what the Coliseum had. So it was a lost opportunity for sure. Part, part of the deal with that new agreement was, well, Bob Nicholson has to be a, a friend or acquaintance of yours as, as well too, yeah. John, right? So one of the things where I remember talking with him after the CPRA declined the, the Edmonton Oilers offer, like the OEG offer. And Nicholson, we had a whole story about it where he said, we're going to build it like the world juniors around right now. He was going to build yeah. the CFR 
as a product like the World Juniors. They're going to get a TV deal. They're going to spend money on it. It was going to be a, you know, they're going to change the format of the rodeo, which was scary to the folks in charge at the time, apparently scary enough to say no <laughs> and totally fuck the association. I'm sorry, but like, look at the CPRAs in this similar spot to Northlands now, if you really want to get my opinion. Like they're on a, this is the trajectory. Downward trajectory, yeah. Down. Like what is, where's the hope on that side of like, I feel bad and I like, I almost want to cry right now. I'm sad, but it's like, it's on a downward slope right now, unfortunately. But like, what do you, you know, what do you, they're, they're going to build that whole property. Like we had people that were, were successful in building a product that every Canadian in the whole country watches and half the other part of the world. Well, right look what it's done for market. non-traditional hockey markets like Germany and Austria and sweet like Switzerland and all these small countries. They're now becoming hockey powerhouses based around what the world juniors has done. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the, the only thing I'd say about that, the, I think, I think the orders promised a lot, whether that would have come to fruition, I'm not sure, but I mean, it, it's in there. It would be if the contract was set up, where it benefited them, uh, you know, they weren't going into the contract kicking and screaming. They were going in because uh, this doesn't work unless the orders make some money on filling that building, right? Yeah. And they, they certainly had the wherewithal versus Northlands to say, all right, we are going to put our force behind this. Well, you know, we'll bring out some Oilers alumni to be there. We're going to bring, you know, some celebrities out. We're going to pump this up. We're going to make sure that building's full every night. And I, th I think they could have, um, and again, I wasn't in the negotiations at the, in the last uh, little while there when they made the call to go to Red Deer, but. Um, they didn't make I, a call I to think, go to Red Deer. They just made a call to go away from Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, and knowing some of the guys that were involved, I think they made the decisions as with the best interests of what they thought uh, CPRA would get. And I'm not, I may, I may not agree with those, but um, uh, I'm hoping, like, I, I am concerned. If you're asking me as a individual fan of Rodeo, I'm concerned about Red Deer. I think there are tons of companies and organizations that will go there. Um, I'm just not sure that we have the ability to do that. Certainly in this environment, it's going to be tough, but um, I mean, they lost. 8,000 fans a night mm -hmm. and that hurts. That's a sponsor's, that's an issue for a sponsor. Um, it's a great venue, but uh, who knows? What's I mean, I, I don't think at Calgary's an option. I've never thought that after talking to numerous people at the Stampede, I think, I think Stampede does an exceptional job of running their rodeo and they do an amazing job of it, but I don't think Calgary would jump up and show up to CFR like they do to Stampede because it's hey. in the winter and it's, but if, it's if it's not Stampede in Calgary it's not rodeo like people disassociate like they're so like focused in on on Stampede that if anything else it's look it's been a struggle with the PBR like the PBR has done a good job of getting fans to their events yeah. but still like half the time like I have a lot of friends who aren't like rodeo people and I'm like oh yeah there's a PBR down at Stampede Guns Wings like I have no idea that this is going on yeah so that'd be I think that'd be a big hurdle down this way for sure yeah, I think it's, totally. a, it's a loss over the allure, like or like the, the like, like the mystique around it. I guess kind of leaving Edmonton in Red Deer now. You know, like going to Edmonton was such a big deal, and it was such a big event in a big city, and it's kind of a bit. It's lost a bit of that for me in Red Deer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> totally and no agree. offense, 
no offense to red no deer, offense, they do a great i think they've done a great job for sure but yeah. I think it, it's just not the same you know do you yeah. what so what's the solution john where do you what do you think do you think it could go back to edmonton at some point i i keep having the thought that it's it's kind of got to go back at some point i hope i hope it does i hope that we mm-hmm. see a you know i'd love to see a cfr back in edmonton downtown maybe maybe edmonton's missed it enough now maybe the new a new mayor in edmonton might change things up say hey we need to get this coming back it could help save you know it's not going to the old building but we could still use Northlands as a part of this event. It could be part of the, could be a partially Northlands thing. I don't know what it looks like, but yeah. I think it could help. I think it has to go back at some point to be a premier event. It, yeah. For it to be really successful again, to, mm-hmm. to kind of hit the, hit the Valley and go back up. I think it kind of has to go back or has to go somewhere else. Maybe it has to go to Saskatoon. Maybe it has to go to Regina. Maybe it has to go to, I guess Saskatoon's the only other venue that could te- technically work, but the fan base is so Albertan, it'd be tough that way. Yeah. I think I think it's got to go back to Edmonton. I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, the the pieces for me that you have to think through, um, and I, I thought Red Deer after year two, I I was there both years. I think Red Deer did an amazing job year two. Hundred percent. First year they had some issues. Second year they had a planet in like eight months too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right quick one yeah the, the party the party next door i thought they did a great job on that i, I left buckled had a great time <laughs> a lot of great, great rodeo people there that night right so yeah um i think what i think the biggest allure like take calgary out of the picture because i don't think it works there yeah um edmonton's a city of with what a million two it has the high-end hotels that people you know, I, I've stayed in Red Deer. There's maybe, Two. I'm not even sure there's one high-end hotel in Red Deer yeah. right now that I would say is anywhere near the Fairmont, the Westin, um, the Marriott, the, the building downtown beside the, the Rogers. Like that's an amazing, those are high-end facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amenities just aren't the same in, in Red Deer versus Edmonton. That was the so, big struggle with the first year in Red Deer for me was just like, in Edmonton, you could go and keep yourself busy in the, during the day and then go to the perf. Whereas Red Deer just spent most of my time in the hotel room doing nothing. And then you'd wander down to the perf. It yeah. just one of those things where there was, they did a good job of like keeping stuff centralized and like all in the same area. But when it came to Red Deer on the external events, there wasn't much going on and it was, it was kind of until, boring, honestly. Until year yeah. two, it got a lot better. Like, like we were talking about. It has For sure. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say over time, it took us a long time from 1974 to uh, 2017, you know, or 16, I think it might've been Ted the last year we had it, but you know, it took us a lot of years. I still remember some very well-meaning people in Edmonton created the friends of pro rodeo. Um, part of that was uh, they wanted, um, was a team roping to get double yeah, pay? Equal right? pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, equal pay, which I fully agreed with. Um, I think that was a CPRA discussion that they they had to come to terms with, and then we would have figured out, you know, how the dollars were divided. So I, I think that was one of the mandates of the Friends of Pro Rodeo was they felt that was wrong. I didn't disagree with them, um, but they came in and said, "We now we've got to create these events to build rodeo throughout Edmonton." And it, it didn't last very long. They did, they did a good job. They had a couple dinners. Um, but, you know, there were some well-meaning people trying to get another event going. Um, and I don't think it ever took off just because you, you need the dollars behind it. So, 
again, these things all come down to sponsor dollars behind it, corporations getting behind it, the city getting behind it. Um, and I, I have a friend running for mayor in Edmonton, and um, she would be an interesting candidate. And I'm not sure her her view on rodeo, but you know what? I am going to call her and have a chat with her and say, this is not a bad topic to bring up to say, huh. how much revenue have we lost because we let the CFR leave? Yeah. Huh. In November, which is typically, Slow you know, on. I grew up in Edmonton, 52 years I lived there. November is typically not a bad month. It gets a little cold. There's snow on the ground. January is brutal. It's minus 30 for half the month. But November, nothing goes on in Edmonton. And so you brought this massive event to Edmonton during one of your slowest periods of the year, and we let it go. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. And you're bringing people to the city who don't spend much time in the city. Like you talk about the families who do farm fair and all the different things. Like there's people who don't spend this amount of time in your city, spending money in your economy and boosting everything. And that, and all of a sudden that's just gone. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Like my, I have a a close buddy I deal with that owns Ruth, Chris, um, him and him and another guy in Edmonton and Calgary. And I remember the day that it was kind of announced that, we were leaving the city and going to Red Deer. And he was just like, yeah, I love that time of year because people love the fact that we brought Alberta beef in. They're one of the first places in Canada um, to make sure that they had Canadian beef in there because for years they weren't. And then some people spoke up and said, I'm not, I'm not eating here unless you guys have Canadian beef. Mm-hmm. And they pushed back. They finally got Canadian beef and, they were packed and people loved it there, but that's a ton of revenue that he's lost because of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Good timing on that one. Um, so yeah, we, we've been, uh, we've kind of been ragging on the CFR a little bit and um, I guess we can kind of, yeah, conversing, yeah. I guess ragging is a pretty, pretty tough word, but I'd like to get into some of your highlights as your time as commissioner. You spent a lot of time with Northlands and the CFR. And I mean, you got to see a lot of cool stuff that most people haven't. Yeah, so great, great question, Wayne. I appreciate the fact that you guys asked it because there, we. I don't think we've been negative about CFR. I think there's a million things we could have done better. I think the CPRA could have done things, and we could have done things. But at the end of the day, I think we need to take a lot of pride that we had it in Edmonton. I think it was was it 41 years or 40 years, um, and so I, I take a ton of pride in that. Um, a couple of things that I, you know, I really loved is number one, we kept bringing that purse up over the years. Um, 24,000 to, or 21 or 24,000 all the way to, I'd have to look back at my, my media guides here. I'm going to do that, but it was. Was it over 50 a perf at 50, the end? 000? I can't remember. It was 50, it was like at least $12,000 to win a round by the end of it. Yeah. I know it was that. Yeah. Might've been even more. So, Cause I think, I think second place was over, over 10,000. Yeah. So, you know, from that standpoint, um, yeah, quite, quite a lot of pride in the fact that we had it there that long. Um, you know, this may sound corny, um, but the biggest thing for me is I now have a set of, a group of friends across the province that I've met through Rodeo. Um, you think of the, you know, there's a ton of stock contractors. There are obviously athletes I brought up you know, guys like Scotty Schiffner and Roddy Hay, uh, 
Davey Shields has welcomed me to Calgary. We, we golf regularly and he's become a very close friend and there's thanks for the invite <laughs> how about we make that we'll make it a plan for the spring yeah um, next year but uh you know and you know two of my closest buddies are jeff robson and keenan vine um who i met through the rodeo um and they've just become kind of part of the family so i uh and then there's the guys like the rick hozaks of the world in Lee Park that opened up his home to me and said, you're, you're not staying at a hotel. You're staying with me. There are no uh, hotels in Lee Park. <laughs> Just no outside of Lee Park. <laughs> so, but I, you know, for me, the, the friendships I've made over the years, that's gotta be number one. Um, so I always joke. And I, I, I told Teddy this earlier that um, when I kind of gave my bio, I, I talked about rewind, jump on the fence, Wacy. Yeah, oh, and, and that, I think I'm going back. I think it was 2010. Um, it was 100. percent I was, yeah, I was so, home from school and I was watching from somebody's suite, and it happened. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, this, this is oh, you know, you could just holy see it shit! This is not he was good." Look, he was looking over the fence. He yeah. knew what he was doing that sucker. And you know, it's yeah. bad when the screen goes to just a logo. It's not action anymore. It's just a logo. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, you know, something bad. bad's happening. Oh, okay. um, so the one, the one thing I'll say about that is. Uh, I, you know, you always want to be famous, but you want it for the right reason. (laughs) I wanted to be famous for inventing the toe drag. Uh, that never really caught on, but I had a friend that was living in Australia that texted me, uh, that evening because I was on CNN, um, the news after everything was over and they did our big video thing and CNN had it on, uh, had it on TV and Gary, you know, Gary was there. Um, one of the rest brothers was there, I believe. And I had Dale Lascuto, I think, was the president of the CPRA at the time. Um, so that was kind of cool. But you know, the if you go back, if you Google, uh, if you Google uh, bull jumps fence at CFR, I believe it it'll show a picture of the fact that we've got cowboys that jumped in and we're already unpinning the fence. Gary, thank God, got the rope on the bowl. Um, really, only one lady kind of got hurt. Um, and I think she was okay. Uh, I think she might have fractured her hip or something. But at the end of the day, nobody got seriously maimed. But the just the, and this is, I think, typical of the cowboy culture, right? There were guys in the stands that grabbed kids and chucked them up to other people. There were, cowboys that jumped the fence that weren't even part of our our committee that ran over and grabbed the rope while Gary was pulling back with the horse to pin that bull against the fence and then they pulled the you know the pins out got it out got it back into the arena um so for me it just that one was wow we got through this we're very lucky that that bull didn't get away but we really had the right people in the arena at the right time and uh you know, every time I see Gary, um, I just shake his hand and smile at him and say, Hey buddy, good to see you. And thanks. <laughs> right. So yeah, I did Google it here quickly. And, yeah. uh, the lady's name who sued her name was Carol, basically a Karen. So that's, uh, <laughs> really adds up, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Huffington post, like some of the main, main news sources, animal planet looks like animal planets. The one that had the main video of it. 
It's yeah. one of those things like Oof. at a hockey game with pucks flying over the glass. You just got to be aware of bulls flying over the fence right? sometimes, you know? Yeah, it is on the ticket. <laughs> be aware. That reminds me, remember in Etonia, Ted, when that bull got out? Oh, that was a bad time. Oh, That's man. why they don't have that event anymore. I don't think we should give that any press waste. Oh, yeah. I just reminded but, me of that. That uh, was a crazy day. It was a crazy day. Uh, but John, I found the can... stats on uh, the payout. There you got 1974, it's 29,000. Yeah, 29 grand. 2015, it's 1.589 million. Love it. So I just thought that's amazing. And even, even from your time in 05, you've got a yeah. million and 20,000. So you guys went up by 550,000 just in the time you were. Yeah. You were uh, 570,000 just the time that you were the commissioner. So yeah. kudos to that. Th- and thanks for your time. Thanks for, thanks for. Yeah. I got. Yeah, it wasn't all me at all. That was well, a lot of good you're people. Part of it, though. CPRA One, and Northland's doing a lot of great work. So, Jeff Robson had a comment for me. He said, uh, "Jeff has to be the most under. Sorry, John has to be one of the most underrated community guys in all of Alberta." I, I thought I would mention that. Just kind of a, a kudos to you and what you what you do in 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 Alberta. A big supporter of everything everything Alberta essentially. Yeah. So, you know, thanks yeah, for doing what you do. Thanks. Well, Thank I've been pretty lucky. Yeah, pretty lucky just to get the right spot, right time. I got involved with obviously CFR. Um, another passion of mine, Teddy, as you know, is golf. And I got, yeah. I uh, was brought in to the, what's called, it was called the Klondike Classic in Edmonton, which is the Canadian Tour Professional Golf uh, in 1995. And the guy that was chairing it quit or he walked away after the year that I was involved and he said, Hey, would you, yeah, you did a great job running this. So anyways, yeah, I've just been very lucky with uh, the events and the opportunities I've had PGA tour Canada got involved with them. So I've been involved with, and then luckily ATB was a huge sponsor at the time as well. So that just carried over um, cystic fibrosis. I just had a 30 year anniversary of sponsoring or working with them. Uh, two years ago, and I love their great organization. And um, yeah, my, I mean, I'm passionate for the community. I like I like people. I think you guys can catch that from my mm-hmm. horrible jokes today. But I like people, <laughs> and I like helping out. So it's a labor of love the whole time. Did you did you chew Copenhagen before CFR or after <laughs> CFR? <laughs> after. At, oh, so it was like. They it was a, they were a bad influence. You bought it. They were you a bad influence. Was yeah. Who was it? Who made who who peer pressured you into? Uh, Dale was cute, I think. Oh, Dale. Oh, geez. Yeah. Damn it, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's to me one of the most impressive things, or one of the coolest things, is how you're like you're from the city, and like your support at the grassroots level and like rural and ag is it's so amazing to have people like that who like like we touched on before who don't come from a traditional ag or rodeo background backing the sport and backing what we do. It's, it's so nice. It's so refreshing to have that. And then, and through a different lens too, right? You see it through a different lens than most people. So yeah, yeah. again, it's an, another kudos. It's, it's really impressive that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it was watching John Wayne movies growing up, but I, <laughs> oh, uh, man. I gravitated to like the time, the opportunities I had um, as a kid to go up. So uh, I'll throw the family name out there. Fairly famous and Wainwright. I don't think any of the family that's running it there knows me anymore, but um, the Rajat family out of Wainwright have a dairy cow calf. They, they're massive. And their brother 
um, was my neighbor, uh, was my, one of my dad's best friends in Edmonton. And he took me with his kids out to the farm on numerous occasions. And that, I mean, that sparked me right there um, to be, and they, I think they have one of the largest dairy operations in the province. Even then they were massive. Um, and then the funny, I just have to say this because I'm so proud of them. The, my neighbor is, the, is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ray Rajat. So any of your listeners that might have diabetes, Ray Rajat is the world's leading diabetic researcher. Um, he's met the, the Duchess of York. He's met the Queen. This guy, a farmer from Saskatchewan who became an engineer, who created the Edmonton Protocol, and that was my neighbor. Um, so he introduced me to um, the ag side of it, and I always bring that up when I'm talking to him. But uh, I have a ton of time for the Rajat family. They're great people. So we uh, we wanted to wanted to talk about uh, talk about the golf and the hockey side of things. So Keenan, I was texting Keenan Vine about, about this story too, <laughs> and he uh, he mentioned that you text him to go help him move your shed, but he couldn't make it that day. So you text your next closest buddy in your phone who happens to be uh, number five for the Calgary flames. Captain <laughs> Al Capitan. Yeah. So I hate to say it. That's a funny story. I obviously I have a limited and immediate group of friends in, in Calgary that I would feel comfortable. Like after this Wacy, if I have something at home, I need help with, I'm texting you, but uh, <laughs> Cause I think I know you well enough now that you've come yeah. over. But I, I, didn't oh, yeah. large, Easy. I didn't have a large group of people I could text. So I, I, I was building the frame for this shed outside. I texted Robson, Keenan and a couple other buddies. And then, and that was it. And so you didn't, you didn't have my right number, I guess. I didn't have your right <laughs> number. So at the end of the day, I just, you know, I become, because of work, I deal a lot with NHL hockey players and we sponsor Mark and him and his wife and his kids have become good friends of the family. And I remember the funny thing is I remember saying to my wife, um, I'm just going to text Gio and see if he'll come over and help me. And she's like, well, you, you can't do that. Like the guy's the captain of the flames. And yeah. I said, I, I don't care. I kick his ass on the golf course on a regular basis. He's a good buddy. Like, why can't I invite him you know, over to, to work? So I text him and he said, yeah, when do you, when do you need me? And I said, come tomorrow at, Come tomorrow at you know like eleven, and um, it'll take half hour. So the best part of the story is he comes over. We move the shed. It's just literally the framing. We put it up. He says, "Need any more help?" And I'm like, "No, all good, buddy." And he he hung around for probably twenty minutes. He met a, a neighbor's kid, signed an autograph for him because the kid was walking by, and then he left. And the best part of the story is. I deal with the, the, the people on the fan 960 quite a lot, which is the local Calgary yeah. sports. Team. We love them. We love them. Yeah. We love them too. <laughs> right. They're great, great people. So the, the guy that's on the air, the first thing the next morning is Gio. And <laughs> the first thing they say to Gio is what have you, been, what have you been doing with yourself all summer? And he's like, oh, I've been busy with the family. We were in Toronto. Um, I uh, helped the buddy move a shed yesterday and they they jumped on it and they're like of course they know me because i've done a lot of work with them so dean Moberg and pinder rhett warner all those guys so the funny part of the story is dean Moberg just goes 
what idiot asked the captain of the flames to move a shed for him? <laughs> As and a Gio second tech like, message. Oh, exactly. And, <laughs> and Gio says, well, you know him, it's Johnny Winwick. Uh, and they just abused me on air for about 10 minutes. <laughs> but the best part of the story is I wasn't up yet. My phone was sitting beside our bed. And all of a sudden, my phone is lighting up. I'm hearing ping, 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 ping. And all these people are like, you asked the captain of the flames to move a shed? And I'm like, yeah. Why wouldn't I? Oh, Anyways, so, yeah, if you're a celebrity and you know me, I'm, I have no shame. I'll ask you to Just move sheds or whatever. Oh, dear. But it's a good story. Keenan was uh, first called. Just didn't make the cut. Ah, uh, well. So one of your pictures on Twitter is you with uh, with Bobby Orr. What's the story there? Oh, that, yeah, that's a beauty. Of course, he took a lot of abuse for supporting Trump in the last little while, but yeah. um, ATB brought Bobby Orr to Edmonton. Uh, quite, this quite a few years ago when I was living in Edmonton. Um, and then we went to Wolf Creek. So we had an ATB event the night before and then a golf at Wolf Creek with Bobby. And I was Bobby's handler for two days and honestly the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet um he should have been a cowboy if you could see the size of his hands really like he's got big arms he's got massive hands um but nicest guy you'd ever want to meet so um not much there uh just a great story got to meet the legend um number four and you got to like you got to pretend to fight him too oh yeah sorry that so that, that is a good story, and I didn't even mention it. So the first night, all the customers are lined up to get a photo with Bobby. And, of course, being an old hockey player, I was like, at the end of the night, everyone's kind of left. There's a couple of us left around, and I said, Bobby, I would love to get a photo with you. And I said, um, are you okay if we, we, we get a photo kind of like this, like me <laughs> pretending to punch you? And he's like, no, no, I, I couldn't do th- No, that would be wrong. And then so I – I kind of put my hands, started to put my hands down and Bobby brought up his hands and went like this. And then he laughed all the way out of the room. So it was great. But um, oh, wow. yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. He's just such a hell of a nice guy. Um, his knees were shot and his back was shot. Um, so he couldn't, but he stood at the golf course all day and signed every piece of item you can imagine for every client we had. So it was great. Oh, wow. So I want to go back to CFR quick and ask who like the most famous person that was at CFR that we would have never even known. Cause you guys kept it quiet or they were in a suite somewhere. Like, like, cause I, That's I know a good Wayne, question. Wow. I know Wayne Gretzky was a, uh, he was a part owner of the PBR at one point. And I remember hearing a story about Paulina being at a PBR one time. It was some crazy story where she was like, took out a picture with some, with one of these guys and they had no idea who she was. And like, now she's married to Dustin Johnson, one of the masters, but like could have yeah. had the cowboy. <laughs> back in the day you never know but anyways i'm curious about that like i know you guys we had blake shelton he was in the arena everybody knew he was there but like was there like a prime minister or like incognito a, guest yeah or like was high gretzky, level were you drinking wine with gretzky in the atb suite one time or no what, what, no. Happened? what do we not uh, know what happened at the cfo so we did have prime ministers we had two over over the years and they were only in the suites um Nope, no, no. Honestly, I'm drawing a blank on, you know, big, big celebrities that showed up. And that, again, that's one of the things that we need to do is build it up so big that, that 
uh, a guy like Vince Vaughn. What's the guy? What's the uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn or Ryan Reynolds? Vince Vaughn. Like yeah. you want a guy like that who mm-hmm. goes watch hockey games to show yeah. up at a CFR event. Um, oh, yeah. Blake Shelton was massive. Bamford came in. We've had a lot of great music uh, artists over the years. Um, Gord did a, um, and I'm, I'm going to say it wrong, but my daughter's father, or yeah, I want to be my daughter's father is one of the songs he had just released and he did it live in the dirt. Uh, and he brought Paisley, his, his oldest, out into the dirt with him held her hand, hand while he sang the song. And that was um, a very memorable uh, evening. Um, as far as other celebrities, I can't remember, you know, there were a few hockey player, injured hockey players that would show up and go into suites and stuff like that. Um, I think lots of the different suites had different people show up, but I, I mean, I was so busy. I always joked that I never got to watch the rodeo because I was so busy yeah. working. But well, I, I thought there might have been something where where they it was some kind of secret thing where nobody knew where they were there. Like even one time at the Stampede, Trudeau was there on the back of the shoots, and like it was when we were when I was working in front of the buck and shoots. And in the evening, I was doing the music up at the up at the chuck wagon races, right? And I get up to my post in the evening, and I saw Trudeau on the shoots, but they didn't say he was there this time. His he was very even more unfavorably uh, thought of in <laughs> Western Canada than he usually is. So they didn't say he yeah. was there. But I went back up to my post in the evening and all my shit was moved around like upstairs in the, in the eye in the sky because yeah. there was fucking snipers up top <laughs> open out the place to make sure Trudeau wasn't going to get off while we were at the rodeo that day, which was, it was kind of wild, but it was like, Oh wow. So that's, that stuff actually does happen when the PMs around. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. The, the funny thing is we had lots of MPs and MLAs that showed up. Uh, and we had some really good people that made sure uh, solicitor um, solicitor general for Canada was or for Alberta was there numerous times. And I'm trying to remember her name, but yeah, we had lots of that um, behind the scenes. Um, yeah, handing out awards the odd time, but yeah. How uh, how drunk was Blake Shelton the time he performed <laughs> at CFR the night after he won? What was so he made the, the night before? That's funny. I, you know, I was working, obviously I was behind the shoots when he walked through and I, I'm not one of those guys that jumps out to say, Hey, uh, shake my hand. None of that. Um, but you could tell he was off and (laughs) I'm not sure how much he drank the night before, but it was a lot. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Cause he was, I think he was hung over or still drunk, but I will say this: Bamford was sober when I got him in the when he was in the dirt. He was not drunk. <laughs> well, there's plenty of times I've seen Bamford drunk. This wasn't one of them. He wasn't that time. It's, it's remarkable yeah. to me how those guys can do that, like get drunk and be able to sing good still. The only the only yeah. person I see it really affect was Toby Keith at BBJ two summers ago when he was he was too drunk yeah. to to sing. So it's it's, it's pretty yeah. cool to see the guys who can uh, have a few drinks and still put on a good show. I think Shelton lip synced that day. I'm just going to go on, go on record. I think he lip synced. So <laughs> he seemed he seemed legit for a while. But uh, yeah. What about what about uh, what about more hockey stories? As far as uh, I know, Eberle's been a huge part of of what you've done with ATB and your hockey business over the last few years. You probably got a pretty good pretty good Ebb story from from somewhere. I I guess the Ebb's one that I can tell 
publicly. Um, (laughs) Jordan's a great guy. He was the first professional athlete that we got a chance to work with. And we become really good friends, um, still connect with him. And his mom and dad have become really close friends of mine. Probably the best story about Ebbs that uh, we run an event in Canmore. Um, I also sit on the Hockey Alberta Foundation. And so we run this golf tournament in Canmore. And I got Jordan um, early on to start playing in that golf tournament. He's a huge golf nut. And so his dad has been always been on my team with uh, one of my favorite hockey players ever, Rob Brown, played for Pittsburgh. I don't know if you guys know Brownie, but so Brown, it's Brownie, me, Darren Eberle, and another buddy of ours that plays on this team. So we are behind, uh, so we're, it's me, Darren, Brownie, and Brad on this foursome. And in front of us is supposed to be Jordan's golf team. Um, and, you know, the, the rule is, you can go out, party in Canmore as hard as you want. Um, I think Zach Boychuk was there that year. Um, there's it's a whole bunch of other names you probably know, right? Great guy. Um, but they all went out to Canmore, and then they went to Banff. And I think they got home at like 6 a.m. And I'm not even sure where you can go after like 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> you can still keep drinking. But anyways, they went pretty hard. They show up the next morning. Jordan misses his tea time with the group and the shotgun. And so I'm with his dad. And all of a sudden we played two holes and this cart comes flying by us with Jordan in it (laughs) with his golf clubs on the back. And I looked over at his dad and I just smiled and said, he's got some growing to do. And his dad's just like, I'll have a chat with him later. And he, Jordan (laughs) to his credit has never missed another tea time. But that one year he, uh, was two holes late getting there. And so was Zach. And so was, I can't remember who else. There was a couple other NHL guys that were with them and they didn't do anything wrong. They just had a great night and slept in, missed their call, but. We've well, all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Who hasn't missed, who hasn't missed a tea time? We've been drinking. I don't know. I don't know if I've missed a tea time, but I missed a lot of other shit. Exactly. Lights. <laughs> showed up, showed up, showed up late to a rodeo. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, okay. Rob Brown. I'm looking at his stats on uh, here in 82-83 with the St. Albert Sabres in the Alberta Midget Hockey League. It looks like Alberta Elite Hockey League, like U18. He had 259 points in 61 games played. 200 picks. That was with Kamloops Blazers. No, this one was St. Albert in 82-83, but Kamloops, the Blazers, he had a year where he had 212 points. Uh, yeah. 687. Is Holy that shit. any good? And 100, and 100 pims too? Damn. Yeah. Yeah, Nuts. Brownie might might be one of the most talented hockey players um, I've been on the ice with uh, out of any of the NHL alumni I skate with the odd time. Wow. His hands, his hands and his ability to shoot, um, just unbelievable. When he was in Kamloops, and I, I've talked to numerous guys about this that have played in the dub, and not one guy has said that they believe that his record will be broken. Really? 68 games. I'm going by memory, Ted. You probably got it in front of you, but 212 points in 68 games, I think, is what he did. 63. 63 games, 212 points. Would Ferraro have been called series, think... scored 100 goals? Rob had uh, Rob had 76 goals. Yeah, because yeah. like, Ferraro scored like 108 goals one season for the Wheat Kings. That's wild. Yeah, like that's massive. <laughs> 
Yeah. Do you get do you get to skate with any like the Flames alumni in town now that you've kind of yeah. expanded your who who do you get to skate with on that? Uh so you know, Glenny, Patter, uh, McCallan. I don't get to skate with the alum, but we through work I get uh the opportunity to have a um Flames alumni versus some ATB customers. Oh, so nice. we've I've done that a whole bunch of times and it's they are they are great. Brian McGratton uh, skates with us. Um, Glenny's become a good friend. We actually sponsor Glenny's uh, rodeo event, the Rough Stock event in Red Deer. And so Glenny's fun to skate with. Um, yeah, there's so many. Uh, Theo, I golf with Theo a bit. He's a great guy. Uh, they have an amazing alumni association in Calgary. Um, kudos to them because they, they do a tirelessly – out in the community doing a lot of work, uh, but they're all great guys. So, the uh, and Ferraro, I golf with a lot of them too. Ferraro had 108 goals in 72 games, 192 points. Waste. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, that's huge. That's great. I, I couldn't even, can't even believe that. Quite the, quite the, quite year. the feat. Um, what else do we got here before we, uh, oh, sponsorship? Uh, we got to talk sponsorship a bit. But oh, yeah. yeah. You yeah. got something, Waze. Go ahead. Well, it's it kind of ties into sponsorship. It's um, like through your lens, where do you see like the next steps for rodeo? Like, how do we get it into the mainstream? How do we continue to grow the sport? I think, um, I think what people are looking for today, and, and this is what I do on a daily basis, is sponsorship. So, um, and it's only my opinion, but I think this is what. I think what rodeos and cowboys and more, more specific cowboys, how to sell themselves to others. Um, uh, at ATB, we recognize that it's really important for uh, us to deliver unique experiences to our customers. And you do that by introducing them to unique people like Mark Giordano. We do a couple of events with Mark a year where we bring him in front of a whole bunch of kids one night with their parents and it's an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And then we bring about 50 or 60 people together. Uh, and I bring out a whole bunch of the alumni to sit at different tables and Gio and his wife. And we have an amazing unique experience where like people can go home and say, Hey, I just met Mark Giordano. What mm -hmm. a great guy. I had a really good chat with him. And, and so and this is leading into the, what I think cowboys and events should do. I think they have to identify what experiences they can deliver to sponsors that they can't get today. And that is how do they meet a Wacy who's been a bull rider, um, the right guy at the right time, talking about stories, connecting with their customers. Mm -hmm. We've done this with Zeke. We've done it with Scotty Schiffner. Um, Davey and I have done it with, with customers. I'll bring Davey out as a, a buddy of mine during a golf game and bring two mm -hmm. customers and the guys leave and they are just like, like Davey's got a picture. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Davey's got a picture of his, I believe it's his left arm. And he shows his left arm, how massive it was near the end of his career. And his other arm is still <laughs> big, but not anywhere near yeah. how large his arm was because that's all Davey did, right? He would work out. I think he was left arm, but mm -hmm. um, he tells those stories and he connects with customers and they have those stories to turn around and tell to their friends. And so if I'm a, if I'm a rodeo committee or I'm a cowboy or cowgirl, 
I want to figure out what experience I can deliver to um, a potential sponsor. And that could be when the Cowboys come to town, take care of them, spoil them and say to them, I really want you mixing and mingling with my customers. And yet all I'm asking is an hour of your time after your ride or the next morning to meet somebody mm-hmm. and to get to know them or have a couple drinks. Um, so the biggest thing I would say is identify an experience that you can deliver that customers are going to really want. And those big corporations, like at Stampede, we do a really good job of making sure that cowboys come up to our suite and meet our customers. And then they educate them on, you know, everything from, okay, as, as a bull rider, I'm, if I'm Scott Schiffner, I'm telling a greenhorn who has no idea what bull riding is, the next time you see a bull rider, this is what you have to be aware of. This mm-hmm. is what you got to look at. You, you have to, so you give them some knowledge they didn't have before. And then they become immediately the next year they're at Stampede. And this may sound, sound off topic, but it's true. The next year when they're with a customer, they're going to say to the guy or girl, Hey, do you realize that they use a resin on the, on the rope to wrap their hand and that, like they have insider information They've created an experience. They become the expert. They become the expert and they yeah, want to be great. that advocate yeah. for the sport. So I know that that's was a long winded and I apologize, but no, that's great. I'm really passionate about sponsorships. It's not about putting your name up in an arena anymore. It's what, what experience can you deliver to the customer? What, what has been your best experience on the sponsorship side of things then? Who, who does the best job of it right now? Who, who can oh, we learn dead. from? How can I go see these things to be able to build these things in our sport? You know what? Um, I'm not sure that there's anyone out there specifically, I would say. I, I'm going to say ATB does a phenomenal job, um, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but you create if you create an, a celebrity experience where people want to, and I always, this is the tagline I use, is when a customer leaves my event, I want them to go home and be so excited about the experience they got that they want to lean over the fence and tell their, their neighbor what we, what they just did. And so I, I think there's lots of people that do it really well, but you can build up celebrity status by getting people in front of your customers. Um, it's up to the sponsor. It's up to the, the owner of that property to make sure they elevate that, uh, the cowboy or cowgirl's notoriety and visibility. Like you can, you can bet that every time I'm with, you know, Mark at an event and I'm introducing him to one of my customers, I've got a story about Mark's achievements as like Mark Giordano may not go in the hall of fame for his career uh, in the NHL, but he might go in as a builder because of, He's won the ESPN award. He's won the humanitarian award. He was the Norris trophy winner. Like Mark's actual database of all the stuff that he's done might get him in, in another capacity um, in the hall of fame. He may not make it because he's only won it once, but he's not even done yet either. And he's not even done yet. And uh, for all those naysayers that are going to listen to this podcast about the flames, flames. Mark's probably the most fit, you got it. He's the most fit guy that I know. Young and fresh, um, baby. And he has a, <laughs> yeah. a passion for hockey. And um, 
I think he's got a lot left in the tank. That's all I'll say. But he he kicks ass in the fitness testing every year. Like it's always Geo oh, yeah. in the fitness testing. It's awesome. Yeah. He's my captain. Yep. For his age for, to be that. <laughs> So I like I like the shoot tour experience that Sam P does. Like from I worked a couple internships through school. Yeah. I did one with Labatt Brewing and Labatt's obviously a big sponsor of the Stampede. So they got could go down for a shoot tour. And like the guys who got yeah. to go do that, they like absolutely love that experience. Like it, it totally gave them a new perspective on the sport, like being right there and in front of it and seeing what happens kind of behind the scenes, but like that experience they don't usually get. That that's such a unique thing that we can deliver to people who aren't from like an ag or rodeo background. Yep. Yeah, and actually, Wacey, one of the things I'm extremely proud of, of my time with CFR, back to rodeo, is I kept saying exactly what I've been saying today, is what kind of experience can we create that will bring non-rodeo fans into our building, give them a unique experience that they've never had before, and make them leave as advocates for the sport? And so during my time, I created the Behind the Shoots tour at CFR. Wow. So we would bring in, depending on the night, it would be six to eight groups of people, like 15 people at a time, where we would walk them behind the chutes. They'd see the steel and where the bulls were and the horses were in the basement. We'd walk them around, take them to the announcer stand, all the above. And then we would get a photo in front of the CFR banner. But we'd also get a cowboy, uh, ex-cowboy to come out and talk about Here's what I'm doing if I'm a bareback rider or uh, we get the ladies to talk about, okay, if I'm a barrel racer, here's what I'm thinking of when I'm coming out of the, you know, et cetera. We talk about the dirt and all the above. So that one um, I'm really proud of that. And we didn't take that from Stampede. I don't know how long Stampede's been doing it, but we said, what can we offer our customers? And again, mm-hmm. you know, those experiences for some of the rodeos, if they've got people that don't know rodeo, God, that's the first thing I'd be doing. I'd be bringing them back, introducing them to a cowboy, mm-hmm. giving them the knowledge that they need to, to be able to sit in the stands and become that expert. So a good example is, is, is Tarek. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, like, one of, a good example of that would have been our, one of our past guests a couple weeks ago was Tarek um, from the Airdrie rodeo committee. Like he started bringing like people on conventional rodeo fans in, in just an Airdrie. And that's built a whole new fan base for them that way. So it's just offering that experience to people who don't necessarily know much about it or haven't had that upbringing. It's, it's, it's so much value it adds. And it's such a small thing that's easy to do. Yep. And doesn't, I hate to say it, it, we structured it in Edmonton with volunteers. It didn't cost us a penny. Mm -hmm. We could use some of those as charity, charitable things like, prizes for people to use at auctions mm-hmm. um the people that went through them they loved them uh they love and i'll give you an example my brother-in-law is an xrcmp officer in in edmonton and i told him about it and he's a huge rodeo guy he loves it and he said how do i volunteer how can i be a guide and he hardly knew much about rodeo yeah and he did it for like eight years and just loved it like best thing he ever did yeah it's all so, about the, it's yeah, all about the i love those shooters yeah, it's all about the exposure. Like for me, even a lot of my friends in Calgary aren't rodeo people. And th- luckily, like I know people like Ted and have been able to work with the PBR a bit over the last few years. So like getting some of my group of friends who aren't conventional rodeo people to these events have created a whole little circle of friends in my little group of people, even just, just exposing them to the event. It's, it's, so, yeah. it's, it's so amazing how something so little can actually have a pretty big impact. Yeah. 
And you know, the interesting thing about that way, see that I, I question whether, uh, you know, I don't know how Stampede figures out who they bring back. I, I know how Northlands did it. Um, but for PBR, if, if I was the PBR and I was running an event in Calgary, I'd be connecting with as many corporations as I could to say, listen, I have a really unique experience here. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to get as close to these bulls. You're not going to see or talk to a cowboy uh, like those experiences. And if you get the right corporations, man, they'll be with you forever because mm -hmm. like we do, um, is it Cody? Cody yes. Schneider does the, used to do the event at uh, during Stampede. At Ranchman's. Right, at Ranchman's. Yeah. So we've taken our president and a couple customers and put them in that middle. The shark cage. Area, yeah. <laughs> right, the shark cage. Like yeah. they love that. And yep. it's one of our favorite events for people. So that's what I would say to sponsors is, or uh, events. Like there's nothing stopping those guys from creating an experience like that. Mm -hmm. Could you put a shark cage out, roll it out during, during a bull riding event, as long as it doesn't affect, you know, the competitor, but could you put the bowl, a shark cage at the other end of your facility, just in case the guy gets bucked, which you, you know, in most cases we know <laughs> they usually get bucked. But, and then the bulls running around and you've got people in that cage. You could sell that. That's an experience people will talk about for life. So, so on the rodeo side of things, if we're looking for ideas, we can just call you up and say, Hey, how do we, how do we do this, John? I have a couple, couple pointers. Hey, the funny thing is Keenan had, you guys all have the same ideas. I just don't know that people have, uh, it's not me certainly, but yeah, uh, I mean, we're all over talking about that kind of stuff. Um, from a corporation standpoint, like that's a, a really good question that Wacy asked was, so what are what are corporations looking for? Back to that again, it's, it's can you deliver an experience that people can't get somewhere else? Um, but then it's the tough part is getting in front of those people to say, I've got something that you do not want to pass, pass up, right? And just build it that way so yeah um Wacey, uh do you have anything else here are we well we were we're leaving out one question that we ask every guest yeah we gotta get that one cool. the, bring it. So, it i don't know if you've listened to past shows but we always ask what is your definition of cowboy shit well the tough part is it's teddy <laughs> for me right because <laughs> teddy is teddy is synonymous with cowboy shit because i follow teddy that's all i see from teddy is cowboy shit and building the brand, building the brand, building the brand, and the love. Now, now I got to start following Wacy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. And then I'll be your biggest fan as well. I appreciate but, it. You know what I will say is, we need more of this. Um, you guys are built. I don't know who you're, like who follows your uh, broadcast, your podcast, etc. But the more that we can do in this area, the better we are to build rodeo. And, and it, the funny thing is, I don't think we, we talked a lot of CFR cause that's kind of my connection to you guys. Uh, but we talked about a lot of other stuff and I'm sure you've had a lot of cool people that are much more cool than me, but, um, nobody chance. else invented the, the toe drag. <laughs> yeah, no one invented, that's, nobody that's, big. that's a big, that's <laughs> huge. Um, so yeah, I would say I love the fact that you guys are doing this and, Keep it up. I think podcasts are the way of the future. Um, ATB actually supports quite a few out of the 
uh, some stuff we do in Edmonton across the province. And I, I just love the fact that you guys are doing it. So well, if they're looking to the support a work. podcast, if I can help, we know of one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how would, how would we provide those experiences? I don't, I don't see the podcast as being one of those experiential pieces like the events are. I guess that's that's something we need to work on ourselves. I, I think I think it's a what we offer is like an inside look to stuff that people don't have access to. Like we get to talk to people who are involved and share stories that you're not going to hear when they do an interview on TV or with a yeah. newspaper. You know, it's that's like for me. Like I tell this to a lot of people, I like holding our standard to like the spit and chicklet standard because we're, we're kind of on the same like we want to deliver the same thing to fans. And what they do is like they give you these insights to people in the NHL who you would never be able to have a conversation with for the most like the most part, and you can hear all these yeah. cool stories. And feel like you're a part of it, and I think that's where we can really what we can bring to the table for fans and people who aren't aren't like traditionally rodeo fans. Yeah, and I think you have access to um, some unique unique people that you could bring on the show, and um, you know, once the season's done, if Geo's around, I we could get him in a heartbeat. I'm sure he'd come on. Jordan Everlay would love to if it's in the summer. Oh, yeah. um, Jordan's a big rodeo fan as well. Um, he could talk about the behind the shoots tours, Lacey, that you talked about because he's been back there. He loves it. Um, have you had Glennie on talking about his rough stock event? Yeah, we, he we talked to him one. Yeah. Yeah. We had him on the show a while back and then, yeah. uh, uh, Eberly is one of the guys that I've talked to in the past with, uh, we did it. We did an interview at Calgary one time, actually. And then another one was, uh, was Daryl Sutter actually like one of the years after they won the after he won the cup in LA, I think it was like back in like 2010 or 11. Yeah. And I remember I saw him at this little bull riding in Kinsella and Tanner Gillis was like, dude, that's Daryl Sutter. You got to go talk to him for your website. <laughs> so it was like when everything Cowboys read at the beginning, it was like one of my better viewed interviews ever with yeah. Daryl and Kinsella randomly by, you know, at Ellie Scorey's event up there. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. And well, he didn't say much from, the, nice from the Sutter standpoint, I would tell you, um, a guy that I've got to know, we've sponsored his hockey team for years, but Boo. he's, he's a, you know, as Brian Sutter, <laughs> you guys could have Brian on. He'd be great. We'd like he's, he's got an amazing, uh, I think he's a cow calf operator, right? He's just outside of Sylvan. He's got an amazing spread out there. Uh, salt of the earth guy. Um, he'd be phenomenal for you guys to have on. Cause he's, Oh, he's yeah. got the ag roots. He understands that component and uh, always a, he's a big friend of Glennie's mine and a whole bunch of others. So oh, yeah. if I can connect you on that one, the toughest thing will be you have to talk to his wife, Timing. Judy, to get him set up so he can do, a, <laughs> do it online. Because <laughs> I still wait till think we can he do has it in a person. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess last question on my side, John, when, when did you invent the toe drag? What, what's the history of this? So yeah, the funny thing is, I joked that I invented it, but I didn't perfect it. So let's oh, just, yeah. <laughs> let's leave that baby out there. Uh, yeah. Paul Coffee Curve, 50-30 PMP. PMP, I think baby. I started, <laughs> yeah, I started using it in probably 19, as a, this is legit, because I don't think I started using it regular until, I, I played a year of, it was college, not college hockey, but I played for Concordia and they were just gearing up to start um, getting into the ACAC. So I played for their Concordia College team. And the year after was 86. So I played in 1985. 
and they gave us our regular sticks and you couldn't have an illegal curve. And then I started playing beer league hockey in 86 and I started with the Paul coffee curve. And I think that's, that's where kind of the, my love of the toe drag came in with the coffee. <laughs> Oh, so, I, I have one more question heading in. So yep. hockey's coming back in a couple weeks now. Um, and you said you kind of, your allegiances are torn between the Oilers and the flames, but heading into this new season, who do you think is going to come out on the North division? Who do you got? Oh God, that's a tough question. Um, it's got, we talk about it a lot. We talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'll be honest. I'm nervous about Toronto. I just I don't, yeah, I don't get it, man. I don't think Toronto. All of a sudden, like as soon as the North Division got made, everybody's like, "Oh, Toronto's going to be the best." I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, I just think they have so much talent sitting there, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have the goaltending. And the one, the one thing I will say about, and I'm hardly an expert, I think the Flames have upgraded their goaltending. They've added another D-man that will work. Yeah, will sit with Geo on that back end. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to touch uh, a shutdown pairing of Geo and what's the other? What's the Tanev, other? Chris Tanev. Tanev. Yeah. I think those two could become one of the top pairings in the in the Canadian division. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, and the other component that I'll say, I mean, Edmonton's got our buddy Nuge, who we sponsor. Um, they they got Drysail and they got McDavid, Cheap and then they have some. Right, right, and they yeah. got some other guys. They got Cass and some other boys. Um, that meatball. I, I really question whether the Oilers have enough guys in Luch's space to handle him, and I think that's going to be an issue unless they the Oilers it. bring somebody else in. And I don't think Cass can't handle Milan Lucic. So I, I think that that's going to be an intimidation factor. Uh, Darnell Nurse isn't anywhere near the, that level, and who losing, else? Do they losing have cl- losing class bomb sucks. Yeah, yeah, like they've lost a very solid D man. Their goaltending um, sucks. And and I yeah again I don't <laughs> think that their goaltending is as good as what Calgary picked up. Like I think their tending so is going to be good. Teddy, what do you say? Well, Wacy asked me this last week, and I was stumped. I. He got me, and I was just kind of like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't even know what I said now, Wacey. I remember talking about how I thought Vancouver was a bit better. Or it was going to be – like, they still got good good talent. Vancouver, Vancouver's, like, Vancouver's going to be tough because they, like – the only pieces they really lost was uh, Markstrom, Markstrom and Tanev and yeah. Stetcher, I guess. But they picked up Nate Schmidt, who's a solid defenseman. Oh, yeah. And Holpe, like, yeah. if if, Dem- if Demko falters, Holpe could step in and be just as, like, his Vezna form. So, yeah. I mean, they're, they're in yeah. good shape in Vancouver, and their young core is unbelievable. So oh, I think yeah. they're like I say they'd be like almost the dark, dark horse, horse. Yeah. to win the division for sure. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I I like Calgary's odds. They had a good team last year, and like coming into the play-ins and the and the restart, they played really well, minus the back half of the Dallas series. But then you add in like a world-class goalie and then another pretty decent shutdown defenseman in Tanev. I think we're pretty good. It's all going to hinge on Johnny and Monty, honestly. Yeah. They need the their, best players, their best players. And Chucky, yeah, and I think Chucky. he's going to come in and he's going to yeah. dominate that. He's going to terrorize the Oilers. Absolutely. <laughs> and terrorize. He's going to terrorize, terrorize the whole country. Oh, man. It's going to be fun yeah. to watch the Kachuk brothers play against each other a bunch of times this winter. You could, you could almost go down to elimination, though, because Ottawa's out. Winnipeg's probably not going to... Winnipeg, their, D, their decor is trash. Yeah, right? Like, so they're, they're yeah. pretty much they're on the way out. 
and then you've got uh, Montreal is like probably not going to make it. So if you got four teams, it's it's uh, uh, Vancouver, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary. There's your top four. And I think it's going to yeah. be Montreal's really? going to battle pretty hard for that last spot because they have healthy Shea Weber and they've yeah. added some really solid pieces. And then the carry price effect is massive. Can be as yeah. we saw with Pittsburgh. So I mean, if you narrow it down like that, you you probably say you probably almost say Montreal, Edmonton, Montreal, Vancouver is on the bottom end of that. And your two strongest teams really are Calgary, Toronto. Looking on paper, I would I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. Blasty's back, so that's a new factor too. <laughs> Boys are going to be looking sharp. <laughs> looking ah. sharp in the jerseys. Hell yeah. Is there, yeah. Is there anything we've missed, John? I just want to leave, leave us with that. No, nothing. Uh, I will say as a marketer and a brand guy, I do love cowboy shit. I think it's fantastic. So <laughs> well, I'll have to text you to get your address and I'll come and uh, leave you a late Christmas present here later on. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm all okay. over that. I've got, I don't know if I have it here. Here's, can you see that one? Oh yeah. Nuge. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So uh, a local, local laundry did these for us. Yeah. Or for Nuge to raise some money. So we just, bought a couple. I just saw a thing with him and Natasha and Jordan the other day. Everly yeah. was talking about, yeah, they just, it was an ATB event. And, and I got to yeah. say too, I am an ATB customer now because of yourself and because of Terry, the two of you have brought me over in the last. Well, I love it. Yeah. So it's because of you guys though, but between the different things you've done between no, you know, just getting to know you guys, I wanted to work with you and, and the different things you've done with us. And even since being a customer going to the golf tournament this summer was, I, I loved it. Yeah. Right. Like I'd love to do more mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And like I, I'm a people, people person too. So I love to get out and see. No questions. See everybody. So it was, it was awesome to see you this summer at the tournament at country Hills. And I think we yeah. like lucked out and won that thing, John. I don't know. I how. think you did. So <laughs> kind of a bullshit. Well, deal, see, that's but. the other thing you don't know. I'm the best GM in golf. Nice. I can pick the best golf teams. I may not be the best golfer, but I, you can build I a can team. Pick ringer teams. Yeah, yeah. Obviously you, I didn't do a good job at our team. tournament this year though. If you want to have fun, you want to be <laughs> I'm a on good my GM. Team? Maybe not be a big golfer, but I'm a good GM. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Well, we didn't even get into much of the sports med stuff or the sports med golf tournament, but you're a big part of that as well. Has raised a lot of, a lot of money for sports medicine over the last few years as well. Sports medicine, we got to make sure we pump that up next year too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the tournament will be back in June, so it'll be kind of two in the same calendar year, but it's been ended up being a huge event the last few years yeah. for, the, for the team being at, uh, yeah, at Valley Bridge. Yeah, we're years. only going to get better too. Exactly. Well, awesome. Okay. Well, thanks a lot for this, John. This was awesome to uh, have you on the show today. That's thanks been great. For, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for being here. Got to throw you out some more uh, ACDC on the way out. Little ACDC. Love it. There you go. Again, <laughs> thanks, John, John Wimick, our guest on episode 82 of Cowboy Ship with Ted and Wacy. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us, Mr. Wimick. Appreciate the bunch. I feel like I'm in semi-pro. <laughs> yeah, girl. You like that cowboy like shit? Cowboy shit, yeah. <laughs> We're the about to get sleeping in the back. The kids are in bed. You cracked that bottle of wine. We're about to fill a bathtub full of sweat. Rainforest sweaty. <laughs> oh dear. Turn that well, music knob up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again to our guest. Uh, our guest, 
Mr. John, John Winwick for being on the show on Cowboy Shit. Sorry, we just probably weirded everybody out that knew John in a professional setting. Yeah, baby. With that, with, with, with Wacy's uh, little whatever that, whatever you call that is. That's some seventies uh, funk. Get the yeah. funk out of my face. Get That's the all right. funk. But thanks for John like for being on the show. To me. That was a that was a fun show, guys. I really enjoyed it. I, that was I, good, man. We got off on quite a few different topics, and we spent a lot of time on the CFR, but. You know, it's really uh, neat to talk to somebody, like I mentioned before in an interview, like through a different lens than what we have, you know, a lot of people who we interview and stuff have been like grew up in like a rodeo background or, um, have family in the sport. And he came from essentially living in the city to just kind of stumbling upon the sport and, and, and becoming a big part of it. So it's nice to, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, so it's nice to talk to people looking through a different lens and what we see for the most part, because we don't get that, we don't get that opportunity very often, you know? a major supporter of our mm-hmm. sport and having an advocate for the it. sport. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That pretty impressive on John's side. And, and I got to say thanks to him for, for everything he's done in the past, you know, 25 years in, in rodeo and, and uh, being a part of ATB, ATB financial, big supporter of rodeo as well. And the Western lifestyle in Alberta. So we, uh, we appreciate it, John. Thanks again for being on the show. And, uh, I guess we got a, I got a new thing on the go now too on the website too. Anyways, did you guys? Yeah, cowboy shit Q and A, a little new Reddit, something to something to keep you busy. We uh, I figured we better do something else for the winter and do a couple things. Mm-hmm. I was actually Lane Peterson. We uh had I guess I want I almost I almost want to say we had a bit of a disagreement doing the NFR. I didn't think we really did. I was just trying to ask a question about judging. What was the What was the disagreement? Remember on Twitter when I asked him about like judging and then he didn't really give me an answer he just said right. he has to judge by the rules but i was like no i'm looking for like what you think about the rules not like i know you have to judge them yeah 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 you gotta be like tell me what you really think I, I was curious right and then i think he was a little bit offended maybe by how by my tone and it didn't the way it was framed well. the way it was framed right and i was kind of like on a bit of a tear that night in a couple of days around the start of the nfr when things weren't going great but uh, but yeah, Lane and I got talking. I went and seen him over the holidays too. Actually, went and saw the ranch down there by Glen crime, crime, criminal. Um, I did not do that. We saw it be over Zoom or something. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, we definitely did that. I don't give a fuck. Facetimed. We kept our distance of uh, six feet or whatever. I don't fucking care anymore. Whatever. We had a good time. I feel. Um, I'm just giving you a hard time. I wonder time. if anybody can like actually give a shit over a podcast. How can they prove that? I wonder. Oh, man. I don't know. It's one of those things. It's, I was just Whatever. giving you a hard time because it's funny. Okay. I'm I'm over the Rona. How about so you? so what? Um, okay. Anyways, we should dive into that after. But with your Q and A series, like, what's the what's the what's the oh. deal, man? So Lane said we should talk to a bunch of different people. Everybody always has these ideas for me, and I'm I'm never really one to actually want to do them very often. To act on them. You know, like they're like, oh, you should do this, you should do that, and I'm like, yeah, well, you should do a lot of stuff too, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to do my thing. You should judge better. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't what no I was disrespect. Kidding. Just kidding, Lane. No, just kidding, Lane. I wasn't All what jokes. I was getting at. But uh, You're thinking it was actually a thing where, where I actually decided to go for it. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's a good call. So I've got a couple more ready to go. Uh, the next one will be with, with Keenan Vine from the Calgary Stampede. And then uh, nobody else has actually got back to me with any answers yet, but I've sent the questions out to a few people. And I figured once I got it rolling, they'd kind of maybe see mm-hmm. it and realize, oh, yeah, that's cool. I, sh- I want to get in on that. So The nice thing about it is it gives people another platform to consume information on you know what i mean yeah. like people like some people maybe not be maybe the podcast after thing or whatever they like to yeah, read maybe like something to read. yeah so maybe <clears> we i think should, it's uh, a great idea maybe we should get somebody to transcribe the podcast every episode and just put oh it in my the God. story that'd be brutal 
that'd be a terrible long, that'd be a terrible job be a lot horrible, of work horrible. that'd be a lot of work Damn. um anyways Gosh, yeah dang. so we're gonna gonna we're gonna talk to a few few people from the different industries and see what's going on this year um like Keenan's from the stampede they're planning to have something pbr is going to start their season with the elite tour uh, here in canada on the 16th of june ideally in regina so that was neat to hear they actually have some events in the calendar the main tour is going to start up i guess down south we'll likely talk to somebody down there talk to probably talk to a stock contractor of sorts so if you know any stock contractors that want to be featured on the show just let us know there's one on this there's already one on the show <laughs> that was the already have one that was a joke so I gotta he's wearing james his own brand i gotta send james the questions and see what uh what his thoughts are on some stuff so for people that maybe don't know don't know james don't know the podcast maybe they'll read the article if you're not missing out q a and if you oh, don't know him ooh. But maybe they'll ooh. read that and then tune ooh. in afterwards we don't know but we're, it's worth a try man I, bu- I bought hey i bought a gopro today oh i had one i could have like, you need some fo- are you gonna some footy man are you gonna like start yeah. what kind of footy are you gonna grab I'm going to do some like behind the scenes at the farm kind of footage to, to put out me and John yelling at each other and basically be like, Yellowstone, you know I mean? like right, it's like Yellowstone, but like on a budget, <laughs> Yeah, a very tight budget. This budget is like a lot of the exchanges though, are probably going to be similar to what happens on Yellowstone. Yeah. What's the over under and you getting punched. It could happen. You never know. <laughs> There's been a lot of times. I think my dad I thought my dad would punch me. I like it for sure. For sure. I'm surprised he didn't actually. Yeah. I thought there would have been some fist fights. Mm, there's been some. He's he's sacrificed me in front of some bovines before. That's what for about sure. what about backhanded slaps? How many times did he? Oh, dude, I've been whacked with belts and all different shit, and yeah. like give me yeah, given death it. stares and knew it. it's it is yeah, it's just ranching. Are you okay? Do you, need to, do you need to talk to somebody about it? No, you? no. It's one of those things where anybody like my dad or anybody I ever like ranch with if it, it, if they were to get upset it was in that moment they would never like carry it over it was just like there's so much happening and they're under a lot of stress so like they would get mad we'd move on everything is okay that's just that's life i get it no gr- get it. no oh no grudges health boys we got to talk about well we talked about hockey being back did we make we already make our made our picks the other day about who's winning but uh mm-hmm. the other big thing on the go right now is a well it'll be done by the time the show's out but the ranchman's uh, clearance liquidation sale. They they're R.I.P. Fuck they're me, it makes bulls. me sad. But like, don't actually pour one out because you might wreck your sound equipment. Pour one out for the homies. It's one of those things where it really truly hadn't sunk in that it was closed and gone. But now that they're actually selling off all the assets, it's it's real it's and it's really sad. Happening. It's really my, happening. My big question is: is where's the big ranchman sign? How come that wasn't in the auction? Probably still up there. It's part of the building. You probably can't take it down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If there's one, if there's one thing you guys could have from the ranchmans in your collection of stuff, what would it be? Off the top of your head, I want, I want the big fucking sign on off the road. That's <laughs> what I want. Hey, the Circle R, the Circle R. Man, Jeez, that, I don't that, know like what I would say. They said all the guys got there. The auction that was what I thought would bring the most money. Like what I thought that sign? was on there, and I was like, man, that'll bring huge money. But it wasn't. Huh. The uh, well, one of our buddies is in on the mechanical bull for their. Uh, for Dakota, maybe possibly drum heller. So we'll see what happens with that. See how that goes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, they said all the, all the contestants got their stuff back. So I hope that was the case that everything actually got dispersed. There's out. some cool memorabilia in there too. Like there's like autograph, yeah. like Kenny Chesney picture. We did, uh, we cool did, shit. uh, I actually ended up doing a, like I built like a museum guide there at one point, mm-hmm. like back in mm-hmm. 2015, probably talked about it before, but it was pretty neat to see the stuff in there. There was like, there was a world actual world champion saddle in there from Jim Gladstone. There's an NFR average saddle in there from, uh, from Mark Roy, uh, tough human had a saddle in there from Denver, I think. So 
they must have had to ship some of those ones back to some of the people. But mm-hmm. I mean, Chad and his and his sister uh, Jill, their their hundred thousand and fifty thousand dollar checks from this Calgary Stampede were in there. There was bronzes from the Stampede. There was buckles from there in the novice, I believe, maybe uh, NFR buckles. I know Flint had some stuff in there. He so had stuff in the bull riding some, and stuff yeah, too. Like, the there's tons of stuff. Like, there's like numerous Canadian champion saddles. Back? They, apparently yeah, everybody, everybody did everybody did yeah no no but apparently. do you think they got it back and we're like fuck what am i gonna do with this now like got <laughs> yeah, a saddle like fuck i don't me. know toby keith spent some time there though and he was in there like in the around the timing when we did that museum thing it was kind of neat he was there around the stampede that, that year and actually came back back to the bar at the like in like five years ago at the height of his his career it was kind of wild fuck toby keith like man. that well Ooh. yeah I'll let after you know. man after the performance he put on a big Valley jamboree two summers ago he can get bent that was brutal. Tell them how I you feel. This is the platform to tell. Well, because right it was brutal. Like people, like I, like obviously, I got to go for free because I was there for the bull riding. But I felt so bad for people who had to pay money. The way that he was, like his stage presence, he was hammer drunk. Couldn't remember the words to his own songs. He was saying like really like derogatory stuff towards women. Like it was brutal, Ooh. man. Yeah, I man. left. I left. It was br- it was it was an it was an absolute shit show and like and on his part like super embarrassing. So he oh, lost dear. a fan. Oh dear! You pack you packed up your jorts and you got out. Of I frigged there. off, dude. What's I the first? Right off. What's the first concert you're going to when we're allowed to do concerts again, Waze? Are the Arkells easy? The Arkells, okay, fair. Oh, enough. dude, those guys fucking rock. What about you, Foley? What's your first one? Or what's your first what's event? Concert with people? guy? No. Uh, concert. Last, well, what is it? I think the last concert I went to was Garth Brooks. Really? Mm. I think the last one I really went to. Well, I went to we went to Corbs back in the summertime. Here, here's a better here's a here, here's a here's a good way to frame that question. So once like the world's back to normal or we're allowed to go do shit, like what's your yeah. like first like first excursion thing? out? Like what are you gonna do to go out? Because I know but like, maybe some people that's not their thing, but I know Isn't for me, like, I'm definitely not gonna get go. all frigged up and dance in a big crowd of people. Dude, a concert. I've already got I've got my night teed up. Yeah, I'm gonna buy tickets to the Flames game. Gonna go have some, some gonna have some little lads over. We're gonna have some have some drinks, listen to some records, wander down to the dome in time for happy hour, get six to eight beers on the happy hour price, rat hole them under our seats before the crush game them, starts. crush them during the game, get a good buzz. Probably on. get more. Try to get more. Flames win. City's Cowboys. Wander over to Sea Boys, play a couple hands of blackjack. See you later, Sea Boys. I'm off to one night stands for a nightcap and some Jenga. <laughs> That's my night. That's my first wow. night out back in oh, back really? in the game, man. Plan this I want to go to the Saddle Dome so bad. Where your I new jersey? Where my new jersey via Teddy. Yeah. See yeah. the boys. The flames are fucking good. I'm I, that's good. all I that's all we I don't want. know they're gonna be good. That's the thing. We don't know yet. No, I know they'll be good. Well, I, hope I you're feel right. like you've planned your night out like yeah, so that's, unbelievably that's precise. to the team. That is very, very precise. Disgusting. Hey, dude. It's oh, been dear. a long... It's, it's What's almost, yours? Well, it's damn near been a year since we've been in this shit. So I've had a lot of time then, to stew. What do you got? My first night out? Yeah, like, I don't, none of us have planned as much as Wacy, but what's your first one? You know what I haven't... I, I don't even know, to tell you the truth. I'm not a big uh, goer out. I'm gonna, it's hard I'm to even imagine up, that at I'm this gonna point, I'm going to call though. up Wacy and see if he'll invite <laughs> me on his night out. <laughs> on that one night. <laughs> yeah, I think we better all just go for that. Just like You yeah, guys want to come, man? It's going to be sweet. I'm going to get all the boys together. I still got those tickets we bought at the Pazabon uh, auction in November 2019. Wait, see that we got the those Flames owe us a game. The Flames, the Flames owe us a game. Yeah, they owe us a game. Not the Flames. The it's been a Jones, but I already talked to them, and they're gonna they're gonna hook us up when the time comes. Cool, I don't man. know when, but they're gonna do it. So. Man, I wish that, I wish that we were able to go watch like these North Division games because there's not gonna and in our well, lifetime there's never gonna be just an all Canadian division. I wonder if we won't be able to go to some of those before it's over. Waste like I. 
I mean, by I so. April, May, so. like if we're going to have any rodeos this year, they're going to have to fucking let us go to some of these hockey games by that time of the year. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if it's only, you know, half capacity or a third or a quarter or something like Man, but that ticket, to put, that ticket's going to be a premium. Yeah. But people are going to yeah, go for sure. Premium. But still, but oh, still dude, they're going to, they're, if they can make it go at this, they're going to sell those tickets for whatever they can get for the first mm-hmm. little while here. And even it like, they're going to have to do some shit here pretty soon. Like as soon as the numbers go back down and they're at a certain level, and everybody's vaccinated. Like, how can they keep us from doing shit? They're gonna have to let us. They gotta let people go on again. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I agree. I agree. Brutal. So I would hope, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. By like, I would say might be far stretched here, but I think by like March, April, May, like that kind of like late spring when it starts getting warm again, people are vaccinated. I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not putting out of the question. I think we might be able to go to something by then. Oh but, man, I'd be the happiest see, person in well, Alberta. If they're gonna have a Calgary Stampede by July, they're gonna have to have some capacity by early. You have to early you, spring, like, right? To build how up. How else to, like, do you have the Stampede? Time. Yeah. So I don't know. Does, fingers does, crossed does, here, man. Does Calgary but, Stampede okay. get enough viewers on TV to no. uh, make it? It's not, uh, no, it's not enough of a TV product. I, but I, the big, then the, the biggest draw to Stampede is the is paid place. Is the sorry? Anyways. But yeah, the biggest draw to Stampede is people being on park, like spending money at the Midway yeah, and I food. Like I, I don't know a lot of people in Calgary don't even, but people don't even go to the rodeo. Yeah, they like do. Certain, but Some you know don't. what I mean. A lot of, but a lot of, a lot of the ticket sales I bet are for people visiting the city, not actual Some Calgary are. residents. There are a lot of Calgary residents that go though. You'd be surprised at the for number. sure. But it's, I think there's a lot more that just go too. to experience the Midway, too. That could be. I'd like anyways, to it'd be it'd, it'd, it'd be it'd be nice to find. It'd be nice to see like what that number is because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people that I've talked to and, and whatever I've heard, even like around the university, like they don't never been to the rodeo, but they fucking go and do the midway and eat the corn dogs and shit. I'm gonna ask because my a friend of mine used to be the ticket sales manager actually, and I asked him. I mean, it'd be cool to know that. That'd be a cool metric to see. I think he told me it was fifty fifty. Like it was actually really? it blew my mind because I was like, oh, it's like for sure ninety percent. It's for sure ninety percent uh tourists but i was mm, he was like no mm. it's actually like 50 50 i don't wow. know if i have the email the email in here anywhere but like it was very it was very uh oh here mm-hmm. or that was ticket this one says ticket sales i wonder what this says um this is quite a while ago yeah i don't know i i think it's actually way more way more than you would think for calgary Some that's cool man buy, that's good to know yeah yeah so i'll have to i think you think a lot do you think a lot of that would be corporate like buying Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of it's corporate. Yeah. Well, yeah. all the boxes are corporate, and for they're sure. all major Calgary companies, right? Like those are mm-hmm. the main, those are the biggest ones that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't see it here right now. But I know oh, I've asked him, to, asked him before, and he's he's in the PR side of things now. But anyways, yeah. anyways, you're, you're right that that in some capacity they got to have people be able yeah. to have people there. Yeah, so. I think I we'll I be able that. to go. I think we'll be able to go ways. I and I want to go so bad. Fuck. I hope so. I hope the things Dude. go in the right way. But like, like I said, once everybody's vaccinated, well, why the hell can't we do some shit? Like if everybody, mm-hmm. all the most, uh, the majority of the population. Yeah. Then like, what's the holdup? Let's get back. I, to fuck, if, I just want this shit to be go. over, dude. It sucks. What I want to play Alberta hockey. Just yeah. pulls the Texas and says, fuck it. We're opening. Her just up. let her back. I don't think that the provinces have as much freedom as the States do. You know what I mean? Like individual States over like individual provinces. Yeah, but I'm just saying we could rally right now. We There's not much now. Canada we storm wide. The cap- we could storm the capital. Oh, no. Don't even. You guys can't incriminate us like that. Don't even. Say I'm not it. storming no cap. That's stupid. Yeah, that's the stupidest so shit idea. ever, man. It's a bad idea. Um, I wouldn't anyways, even go to. I don't even know where the capital is in Edmonton. <laughs> I don't know, we, dude. I guess we better uh, call it this, guys. You guys happy with that show? Uh, I got nothing else. Most of you guys do. No? No. I'm good. 
Well, in honor of the uh, new NHL season starting, we'll end it with the uh, with the win song from the 2020 Stanley Cup champ, Tampa Bay Lightning. Hopefully, they win me some cash on my sports betting. 450, 450, Ooh, 40 bucks down. Such a weird song, but episode 82, it's been Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted Stillman. He's Wacey Anderson. Our guest co-host, James Foley, and our guest for this show, John Winwick. Thanks for being on the show. It's been Cowboy Shit. Need a gravy boat. Man, if I was a rapper, my rapper name would be Young Gravy. What a fucking sweet name. Fucking rights. Not Young Wacy? No, Young Gravy. I love gravy. You don't know how to make gravy. That has nothing to do with me liking gravy. (laughs) I can enjoy gravy without making it. People else, other people are going to make it for me. What's your favorite type of gravy? Whatever they put on the turkey at Christmas. Turkey yeah. gravy? gravy? I don't like gravy at all, but fuck people you. Love KFC gravy. KFC gravy is fucking good. Uh, yeah. Gravy. I also like biscuits and gravy, like a fucking yeah, sausage gravy. Oh, oh, damn. oh God damn, man. boy. Oh, so God damn, boy. That's a good breakfast. Bring damn. that gravy here, boy. Hey, boy, bring me some of that gravy. <laughs> this uh, this song is offensive. Oh, it you fucking slaps. <laughs> it slaps. <laughs> I like the. Uh, I like the underlying song there. Right back to where we started from. Good tune. It's a good one. Yeah, it gets a little heated at the once the uh, once we get into the lyrics. Yeah, might be offensive. That's, that's, that's part. Of, that's just part of being in the rap game, though. Does it have to be though? Grind. How many like how many non-explicit rappers do you listen to, Ted? Yeah, z- uh, zero. Yeah, there you go. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, thanks for listening to some cowboy shit. Appreciate y'all. Thank you guys for co-hosting Ooh. once again. All the best in 2021, folks.